out there in Geek Fives Nation, this is your pal and co-host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Dane Alves, with another enticing episode um, that we're going to break down for you guys today on well, what is a Sunday for, for me and Chris, but one of you guys listened to it. It'll probably be after TLC, and uh, we're going to be talking about TLC. We're going to be talking about Raw. We're going to be talking about SmackDown, and then we're going to be talking about the big shows, i.e. AEW and NXT. we got a couple news items, but before we get there... Um, I want to, of course, introduce my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir, today? When you said we were going to be talking about the big show, I thought you said the big show. And then I was like, oh, man, are we going to review that fucking show today? Because it's been like two weeks since I watched it. Oh, no, I, I, I finished it <laughs> last night. Cute shit. I liked it. Good. I hope it they get a second season. It's a it's fun charming. show. There's a very specific episode with uh, Mark Henry and uh, Mick Foley. Mikishi. And Rikishi, that was pretty great. Big men love seafood platters. Just they leave do. it at that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm doing, I'm doing good. Uh, no, no complaints. I, my t- I had my 10th anniversary with my wife on Friday, and just uh, excited to talk about some wrestling. It's gonna be fun. How are you been, man? I, I'm, you know, I'm I'm doing good. I've had a pretty good weekend. Played some music, um, and uh, yeah, I wanted to actually wish you a happy anniversary. Um, you know, that, that's awesome that you guys, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a big deal. And, um, yeah, besides that, just playing music at the house. Uh, my cat's trying to screw up everything right now. Cause she keeps on trying to lay down on my cell phone and on my, you know, and I'm, I'm at a table by the way, and my notes and everything, but you know, she, she likes to do what she likes to do. You're a terrible cat. Yeah. You know what? Well, you know what? Thank you for the congratulations. And, uh, also, for the listeners out there, I have a new theme song for the show in the works, which we should have. So you guys look out for that. It's going to be interesting. Wow. I didn't even know about that guy. So that's, that's actually really exciting. Well, before we get into the articles, um, I wanted to go over a couple things. Uh, first happy birthday to, um, William Regal, you know, the, the man's man himself, uh, or, or Lord Steven Regal, however you guys remembered him. One of the best and most efficient technical wrestlers, I think, of all time. Um, and especially when it comes to British grappling, uh, going, you know, way back to Billy Robinson. You know, Regal had that style about him. But not only that, he was able to play a great villain. And now, being the teacher of the the modern generation, teaching and helping people like Daniel Bryan, and now people in NXT... Uh, become future superstars and implanting, I think, uh, not only stylistically, you know, his 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 bravado, but also trying to make sure that these guys are actually still good wrestlers because he was such a good hooker, such a good chain wrestler. And uh, yeah, just wanted to wish him a happy birthday. Um, unfortunately, we lost a legend, and I think 
when it comes to wrestling, he is one of the best um, uh, Wrestle WrestleMania openers, I would say, with um, Oh Beautiful, with uh, Little Richard. Uh, besides that, I mean, me and Chris could probably go on about Little Richard and his influence on rock music for a very long time. Um, you know, you don't have Little Richard. It's just like Chuck Berry. You don't have the Beatles. You don't have the Stones. You don't have like a lot of those people. So um, big happy birthday to uh, Lord William Regal and an unfortunate RIP to a rock legend like Little Richard. Um, Chris, any uh, statements about either? Yeah, happy birthday to William Regal, one of my favorite WCW mid-card wrestlers. I really enjoyed watching Regal, Regal growing up. He just played this guy that I fucking hated as a child. <laughs> Something about wrestling with one of your hands behind your back and doing that awkward walk he would do in WCW made me really dislike him um, as a child. <laughs> so, and that thank you. scoff he had it on his face? Yes, <laughs> everything about him. And as little Richard goes, a uh, big part of my childhood because of the Brave Little Toaster, that first opening scene with Tutti Fruity. I grew up kind of loving Little Richard because of that. Definitely, like you said, huge influence to the music industry in general. general. Um, and, and for people who haven't watched like Little Richard's story, I recommend going and watching that. And uh, you kind of notice a lot of really good musicians played with his band, uh, specifically one by the name of Jimi Hendrix, <laughs> which I guess a lot of people don't think about, but yeah, he was in Little Richard's band first, so uh, hell of an influence, like you said, the Beatles, the Stones. Uh, without Little Richard, there's a uh, probably a gap in in some of their music that you know I'm sure we would have still gotten those bands, but definitely a huge influence. And uh, yes, rest in peace, Little Richard. Yeah, and um, it just it, I mean, if you look at like so many modern entertainers, it doesn't matter if you're going Mick Jagger, Michael Jackson, or Prince. Uh, I think a lot of them bring a lot of that, you know, crazy frantic energy of being a performer and understanding that's as big of an aspect as being a great musician. That's what Little Richard was, so he will be missed. Um, I also stop being such a brat, Kitty. God, sorry. Uh, she's trying to take your cheesy puffs <laughs> no she's i'm at a table and she keeps on jumping on the table and jumping in front of me like you know i can't deal with that she's she is such a brat cat uh you know i love i love cats but i, I love cats I have a, for different rat, no don't bite me god <laughs> i have I have a cat that does that too and it's, it's bad because right now everyone's working from home so you're on like camera in a lot of these meetings and then he just shows up on the camera. He's like, what's up, guys? Yeah, I just, it's ridiculous. And it's constant. I do whatever you want to. God. All right. But let's get to the show. And I also, um, because of a uh, situation of what's going on recently, unfortunately, here in Georgia, um, I wanted to say that uh, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, uh, me and Christopher, we all run with Armand Arbery and the... Uh, the situation itself that happened um, was disgusting. And I think people, regardless, uh, a lot of white people should open up their eyes and uh, see footage like this because you got to realize that stuff like this still happens. And I don't want to go into it too much. I don't make this stuff political, but it is me and Chris's show. And uh, we both thought strongly about that. So um, luckily the two the two guys, I'm not going to call them fucking gentlemen, are in jail right now, and hopefully uh, the right thing happens in court. Uh, it better, um, I guess. But this show's dedicated to them. And, uh, yeah, 
just kind of wanted to throw that out there. <sighs> Sorry, it's a uh, it's a it's a very very hard subject to go from talking about that casually uh, into wrestling, but you know this is the world today, guys, and it's not going to change unless we make it. So there you go. Sorry, didn't mean to get all down and out a little bit, but you know that's it's important. I think to you know talk about certain things uh, that we feel strongly about. Uh, would you say so, Chris? I would definitely say so. I mean, being from Georgia, I was fucking disgusted. Um, not only with some of the comments and things that I've saw online, but uh, the video itself and the the fact that it took a video to get these arrests. Let's just say that. Um, so it's I it's it, once again it's one of those things that are eye opening and and sheep are going to be sheep. And you know, you close your eyes and you just pay no attention to shit like this. That um, you're you're doing yourself a disservice. I'll say that. But uh, yes, I, I concur with you. Yeah, and humanity a disservice. Yeah, I agree with you completely with your words. But let's talk about Raw because that will be so much more uplifting. God dang it! What is with the slog and the chore, Chris? That has been Raw and SmackDown because. There's certain good things and certain good elements, but I don't have, like, I get over, and, you know, it's still there, but I get over the audience a lot of times with NXT because they're giving us such great wrestling a lot of times, and they've been building people and the packages with carrying with carrying Cross and, and a lot of stuff they're doing. I don't notice a lot of the imperfections, but with Raw, it's just so formulaic, and now there is no response from an audience, and SmackDown, I feel the same way, that a lot of stuff they have is good but a lot of it's like all right well here's monday and but or or here's friday but like when it comes to wednesdays i'm like all right it's wednesday night let's do this like do you have a, a similar feel towards that i would say the past uh, couple months for sure that feel i think there's a lot of things production wise they could make to make that show feel better for instance AEW filming from basically where the announcers used to sit in wwe so the hard cam is pointed towards the stage, which kind of takes the distraction away from there not being a crowd there. Like little things like that that WWE could easily accomplish with the amount of money they put into each show. Um, they should look at doing. It's it's almost like they're just too fearful of any kind of change that's outside of the normal WWE system. And it really hurts their shows, especially with kind of a limited talent roster um, right now, as far as who's there and who's not there, etc. But also, it points, with the crowd not being there, it really does point to, hey, we just do the same fucking matches to build the pay-per-view every week um, <laughs> with the same people. Uh, it's even more glaring right now, I think, because of, one, the lack of fans, and, and two, um, they're trying to give us longer-formed matches because they're, you know, there's not as much that they can do as far as the show goes. I mean, I think there is a lot, but not within the, the WWE style, I should say. Uh, but yes, I agree with you. It's like Wednesday night, you're like, okay, cool, wrestling. And then everything else, you're like, okay, um, not so good. But I'm going to watch it because i got to talk about it. Well, and I'll, you know, I kind of was ahead of myself. We'll get to Raw. We have a couple of news items before that. But yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. It's like, would I really be watching this? And I want to say yes because I love wrestling and um, – you know, I end up watching a lot of wrestling anyways, and there's a lot of performers, uh, superstars, wrestlers, what have you, that I really enjoy on both Raw and SmackDown. But 
if I wasn't covering this with you, would I have less of a reason to fucking watch it? <laughs> That's the question. I mean, I would pro- I would say if we weren't covering it, we probably would just watch something else. Like we'd watch like MLW or or some older New Japan or like they, there's other things that you could be watching even as a wrestling fan. So I don't think that you like having that feeling about not wanting to watch those shows, but feeling like you have to watch them. It does. I don't think that necessarily makes you a bad wrestling fan because I feel like we would just substitute, you know, those five hours with different wrestling. It's probably yes. a little better, even if it was old WWF stuff, <laughs> for instance. Um, I just feel like, you know, there's obviously better shit I could be watching than Monday Night Raw and SmackDown the past couple months for those five hours of my life that I don't get back. <laughs> well, but don't get it back. <laughs> <laughs> when it, I, at least I cut some of it down on Hulu when I watch it on Hulu, but still. I think you're uh, muted, Dane. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. That was weird. I hate it because, like, with Skype, for some reason, if someone fo- calls you and you don't have your, your volume muted, it kind of, like, tries to, like, take over. But I-, I figured it out. I figured it out, everyone. I know technology. I'm like my dad. Anyways, um, I'm going to go over a couple topic items, and then I'll hand it to you, and, you know, we'll kind of go back and forth on them. But I'm going to kind of give, like, a rough, you know, outline of each topic all at once uh, right now. I think it muted you again, sir. What, what was the last thing that you heard me say? Sorry about that. Uh, you were going to throw out a couple topics, and then you went. Okay. You, you got muted. Well, this is so professional. For all the new listeners, I appreciate you guys uh, having this episode to check out, but I'm just kidding. This It happens. Eh? You know, it's technology. Sorry, I'm Italian. Okay, I can do fuck that. Fuck it. I'll, <laughs> I'll do it in post. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Chris will figure this out, but you guys might not even hear this version. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, so we've been hearing this hacker, and it's been going on SmackDown, and we don't know who it is, and we think that's going to be revealed tonight, and possibly. Who knows? A lot of rumors with Ali. Uh, well, they decided to do it on the show, uh, their after show. I forgot what it's called, with Booker T and... Um, I think it's backstage, WWE backstage. While they're having a conversation, the whole hacker thing comes up, uh, says a whole entire bunch of stuff, and it says the truth will be told soon. And the ending was, do I have everybody's attention now? That should be a line a lot of people know. Immediately afterwards, it's like Booker T, Renee Young, none of them knew that that happened. Like it was a hack and a bunch of like bullshit. And then they promoted CM Punk coming back the next week which got everyone to speculate. Then WWE puts on Fox and says, uh, you know, puts the video display WWE on Fox with, do I have your attention now? Or do I have everybody's attention now upside down? So of course CM Punk saw this realizing that they're trying to pin something towards him and put that nice, like little gif of Fozzie bear looking so distraught and then putting his hands or his head in his hands um, I would not think that anyone should think that it's going to be CM Punk is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Chris, would you uh, remain that it's probably going to be Mustafa Ali, but uh, do you think that Fox was trying to kind of steer people in that direction that it might be Punk with all this bullshit? Well, I don't know that Fox has any control over what WWE does for their video package other than final approval as far as commercials and stuff goes. Um 
because it is WWE based shows, they have creative control. That's part of like how WWE's contracts written written. So they can mm-hmm. kind of do whatever the hell they want as long as it's within, you know, Fox's guidelines. Like they can't obviously go out there and have like we're gonna have a naked wrestling match or some shit. Like they can't do that. But as far as like the creative on the show and their ads and stuff, that's all they gave the reins to Vince McMahon with WWE's creative licensing. Basically they're paying you know, WWE is the way it works is I think that they pay for, they get the shows themselves paid for. Or they pay for the production of the shows themselves. Therefore, they're able to control the content. If I remember correctly, when we went through all that um, creative control shit. So someone thought that it would be a good idea to tease Punk, even though Punk's not going to be there. Um, like I would be very, very surprised if Punk is going to show up. And I also think this would be a dumb way to bring back Punk. Like, wouldn't you just want it to be a huge surprise and get everyone talking about it to watch the show for the following week? Uh, and it from the ratings. Wait, you don't want him to be Mr. Robot? <laughs> <laughs> from from the ratings, it did not work. We'll say that. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting concept, but I wanted to kind of squash that a bit. I mean, who knows? Maybe Punk is working all of us on Twitter right now, and he's going to come back. I think, if anything, this is going to deter Punk from wanting to do backstage again. If Fox, you know, even if they – obviously, it's WWE's baby. I completely agree with you on that. They have creative control. But if they're like, hey, let us kind of like use this concept and then throw out this bullshit and then kind of like make it look like um, – I mean, I get it. But at the same time, like yeah, I, I mean, said, it's probably going to piss off Punk, if anything. Like, quit fucking doing that. Like, just, I'm not going to wrestle. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we, I mean, we don't know what his current relationship with WWE is. Maybe he gave them the okay on this and then is just still playing kind playing of himself on Twitter. That's, yeah, I could see uh, that. Which, you know, if he was like, okay, this is fine, whatever. Because he didn't come out and completely berate this shit. Like, if he comes on ba- backstage and he's like, you guys know it's not me, and then just berates it, then we'll know, like... Okay, he wasn't in on it, but otherwise, if he just if it's backstage is just normal backstage with CM Punk later on, then yeah, I would assume that he was at least in the know of what they were aiming for. Yeah, hell, I, who knows? It may have even been his idea. That's that's a possibility. Um, I guess we'll have to watch out. Uh, but anyways, uh, another news item: we had uh, some interviews uh, with Jr. the Revival on. Takas Jericho, and then Chris Von Vliet uh, got with both Zack Ryder and also uh, had a nice one with a uh, Heath Slater. I just wanted to say, in, in in reference to the interviews, JR's was great because it was talking about his book, which I'm really actually looking forward to buying the audio version and listening to it. Um, but, you know, when it correlates to his now ventures into AEW, and, you know, this 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 feud, this... this uh, this need for people to have to side with one side or the other, as annoyed as some people were, like the revival, uh, especially towards the end with what WWE uh, tried to propose for their new characters towards them uh, leaving. Um, everyone just kind of said, like even Zach Ryan, like they're happy, they're 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 okay, like they're, you know, a lot of people I've heard uh, that have been let go. Uh, they wanted their release beforehand. They want to be creative. They're ready for the next step in their life. And a lot of them kind of saw the writing on the wall and don't really hold back of, you know, being that resentful towards WWE uh, with the revival of, of, of them wanting more. So it, you know, it, their whole concept of re-signing WWE was like, we'll give you the titles. And he's like, they were like, 
what the fuck's the point of you guys giving us a title division if the, the whole entire tag division's crap, if no one cares about that? We care about you guys creatively putting more efforts into the tag division. And they basically wanted them to be dressed up like clowns towards the end for one of their final gimmicks. It was one of several terrible ideas before they decide to, uh, you know, sit it out, uh, if you will, until this happened or until they, they got their release. Um, with Zack Ryder, he's like completely ready for everything. He seems, you know, like he's much more, he hasn't been able to be this much creative. He was able to, with Kurt Hawkins, uh, they didn't want, WWE, Chris, did not want to buy uh, their their show. They, they kind of, they I, I think they had a different name for it on their platform, but they didn't want the rights to their actual, their, their, their toy show. So that was stupid on their behalf because that's something that's really doing well for them. And I'm just happy that it seems like, you know, uh, these guys are, are, are going to do better. Even JR, he seems like he's much happier within his life right now, that he gets to be creative. And uh, Heath Slater, same thing. He's looking into avenues of, of, of positivity. And they don't hold a lot back against, uh, you know, against WWE. They understand business is business. A lot of them, you know, knew that there was going to be cuts. They were warned about it and saw the writing on the wall. So they're not praising WWE for being so incredibly amazing or anything like that, but they definitely, you know, uh, they seem like they're better off, at least a couple people that I've heard from in these interviews. And I'm happy the Revival are concentrating on wanting to just have great tag matches. They named, they, they said they didn't give a shit where. They're like, we'll go we'll go to Impact. We love the North from there. Uh, you know, we'll go to New Japan. We want to go against Girls of Destiny. We want to go against the Briscoes. We want to go against, you know, so many of these great tag teams. So, it was it was kind of a it was nice, especially with a lot of the the pressing uh, you know people that were were let go of from the company. Uh, so, did you listen to any of these, or or how do you feel about some of these wrestlers seeming to be better now that they're not a part of WWE anymore and they're just waiting for their 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 ninety days so they can do whatever? I listened to the revival one. Um, I did not get a chance. I did not get a chance to listen to the. Um, the Zack Ryder or Heath Slater interviews with Zack Ryder. He was such a WWF guy just growing up as a WWF fan, kind of getting to that mountaintop. I know that he's always talked about being a huge deal for him, but so did he like talk like, did he seem pretty, it's still excited about the the new prospects in his life with, with his, I'm, I'm out, out of curiosity, I guess. Oh, he definitely did. He uh, sounded extremely, um, positive about it and uh you know just he's got new avenues like they all sounded like we're gonna get in the best shape of our life and we're gonna go from there and they uh, both zach Ryder and keith slater kind of made it sound like they've already been talking to certain people we know that cody already mentioned you know he's he's really good friends with zach i don't think it's a dead giveaway that he's going to AEW because he made it sound like i'd love to work with impact I'd love to work with ring of honor like they keep they all have that 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 same style of uh of, of getting their, their themselves out there but um i feel like they're they're actually they they seem at ease after getting let go from wwe which sounds crazy yeah i mean with uh with with zach Ryder and kurt hawkins especially it's great that they don't own their podcast i think that is really really good that they didn't get the creative rights for that and it's something that i worry about with someone like zach Ryder. Or not Zack Ryder, um, Xavier Woods. Like, if the New Day ever wanted to leave, they do on Up, Up, Down, Down. There's a lot of wrestlers associated with that show. 
And I wonder how that would shake out and what kind of court battle would hit with their like two or three million subscribers on YouTube or their content. Um, which is in theory is a, a little nuts. So at least it, from that standpoint with uh, specifically with Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, um, with WWE not caring about uh, collectors market for their toys, essentially that they released for collectors, which is still baffling to me that they wouldn't have tried to buy this, but um it's good. It's good for those guys, and I know Kurt Hawkins is still doing. I like he just posted a video yesterday, um, not being mean or anything, just doing a review with WWE toys from uh, the Elite series. I can't remember exactly which ones he reviewed, but I saw that pop up. Um, the revival, they've the writing's been on the wall for them a long time, even before this stuff came out. They they definitely seemed like they wanted to go, and uh, there's a lot of places they can go to and be very very good in the ring. And probably have some good matches. While they're not my favorite tag team, a lot of that probably is WWE booking because I didn't dislike them heavily in NXT. I just, I, the thing about the the revival for me specifically is I, they seem like they're super super hyped by everyone else that's kind of in the wrestling world. For instance, Jim Cornette, who just absolutely loves these guys and loves what they're about, and, and a bunch of other people. Uh, I just never really saw it, so. Hopefully, when they go there and they have other serious tag teams to work against, like you said, someone like Gorillas of Destiny or the Briscoes, um, maybe I'll see. Maybe I'll see what other people have seen in them that I, I don't necessarily see. No, I totally get that, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting with them uh, with the revival. I'm, I'm glad that you know we got. Also, word that they they're, they're not stupid. They know that there is money to be made um, with them. Uh, for two things, they confirm that there's money to be made in NWA doing the. Uh, they really want to do the Crockett Cup, um, and also with the feud between them and the Young Bucks and AEW. And they don't want to be like a lot of these wrestlers. It sounds like tied down if they're not allowed to you know, possibly go over to Japan. Um, Carl Anderson recently just said on, I think it was Twitter, that he has a huge announcement for him and Gallows coming up. So it looks like a lot of these bigger guys, they're already lining up their next, uh, you know, set of dates, if you will, for their career. So I think that's good. Yeah, and that's, it's it's great. I, I, I mean, I'm assuming that Anderson and Gallows are just going to go back to New Japan. But like the idea of, the revival being kind of this big team that was on WWE for the NWA, specifically if they get them to do the Crockett Cup or whatever, that's a huge deal for that company. Um, it, as far as having some huge talent that's been on WWE recently, they don't really have anyone like that. I mean, they have a bunch of X Impact guys, but these would be two of the biggest names I think that they've been able to sign and bring in as far as like, you know, mainstream coverage of having 2 million people watch a TV show, people that, that they're going to be aware of. That's, that's great for them for sure. Yeah. I guess uh, the one thing that came out of this for me and some of these interviews that have happened recently, no one kind of burnt the bridges like John Moxley nope. did with his <laughs> John Moxley almost went kind of the CM Punk route, not to the same extreme, but he definitely out of all of these interviews, he is the guy that came off more like, fuck the wwe by the time he was ready to leave the rest of them were just like i mean the writing was on the wall we weren't necessarily happy they were more pleasant let's let's just say that they maybe even took like if it was a job and and they put in a, they basically put in a two-week notice as opposed to like moxley who went in and was like absolutely fuck you, fuck you you're cool 
<laughs> and Bucky. <laughs> Two weeks notice. <laughs> oh God. Oh yeah, and uh, that's completely true. I just um, I'm I'm excited. I wouldn't. I don't think this is gonna happen. But I listen to Cornette all the time, and he actually at one point. Apparently, from what he says, him and Tony Khan, before the product started happening, and Jim likes a lot of stuff with AEW. He chooses to watch AEW and NXT every week to give criticism, and there's a lot of stuff he does like and a lot of stuff he doesn't like. And if you know the mind of Cornette, you know that he's very picky and set in his ways, and, and some of it's very, you know, it's it's understandable, and some of it's not so understandable. But he apparently talked to Tony Khan said, hey, if the Revival ever gets to WWE, this before a lot of bullshit, and this this is before Tony was talking, it was it was more just a word that he was having uh, talks with Cody. This is when the Bucks weren't involved and stuff like that, that Tony was thinking about doing something, and he was talking to uh, Jim Cornette, and Jim said that if you ever got a chance to get a Revival, basically, long story short, I'd love to manage them. And now he turned that down recently, he's like, I'm not going fucking on the road. Uh, it just it hasn't worked out in every company for me. There's no way I'm doing a schedule like that. But if there were to be like one to a couple set of matches for them and something outside of AEW or any of the major ones, I would be up for it. Now, Chris, do you think that given what happened before in NWA with the announcement, if Billy Corgan got a chance to just have Jim Cornette be the manager for the revival during the, the Crockett Cup, would he take the risk of scrutiny? Or would he say, fuck it, just because of, to have that general wrestling principle of having Cornette with the Revival, you know, in the in the Crockett Cup? I mean, I would just think that the the other parties that are the CEOs of that company won't want Jim Cornette there. I, I don't think, like, I don't think you're going to convince Kenny Omega that bringing Jim Cornette in is a good idea, or Cody Rhodes that bringing Jim Cornette is a good idea. Oh, well, I'm talking about NWA. I'm not talking about um, AEW. With NWA, I don't think they can bring him back because they fired him over those, let's say, racial comments, right? And it would be yeah. bad for them as a company, and I don't think Billy Corgan would necessarily do that. I think it would be a good move to have him manage them, specifically if you could get him to do an a, to do AEW with the Revival versus the Young Bucks, just because there's built-in heat there. But the idea would be, like, do those people want to work? With Jim Cornette, and if they do work with Jim Cornette and they have really good matches with the Revival, does Jim Cornette finally have to admit that the Young Bucks are a decent tag team? That's like kind of the real question, right? That's a good way to. That's a good way to end it. I, I think that's a that's a very very good point. But uh, it will be interesting to find out what happens to all these guys in the next up, upcoming months. I'm just happy that before it would suck about the non or the non compete. But now, because there's nothing else out there besides AEW, a lot of these guys are getting paid for that time period. And hopefully by then we'll be having more, you know, smaller wrestling entities flourishing again. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Here's a big thing that's kind of like, all right, I'm not going to I'm not going to put the tinfoil on my head so much, Chris. We heard that Dutch Mantel came out on Twitter and said that he was hearing a rumor that um, – Basically, WWE was going to be, as soon as May, split up between ESPN and Fox and, and bought out, basically. Um, and, uh, you know, then the rumor was it was actually Disney working with Fox because Disney owns all of uh, the, the Fox. Well, they own ESPN, but they own all of the uh, Fox movie properties, but they don't own the, the, the television stuff, the news, the sports, anything like that. So they'd be working back and forth for the same type of concept. Um 
I don't think any of that's true, but I will say it is weird that Kevin Dunn first sold a shit ton of stocks. Um, and now, after that, in the last couple days, uh, Stephanie was reported as of today to have sold uh, 20 or 23,255 shares, uh, basically over a million dollars. And Triple H, two days ago, also did the same thing and got over a million dollars out of stock. Do you think that's kind of weird at all? The fact that Kevin Dunn and now Stephanie and Triple H have been taking stock outside of WWE? I wonder if they sold their stock to Vince, though. Because that, that's the that's thing, is you don't know who bought the stock. Vince sold stock to fund the XFL and their family. So in theory, they could just sell the stock to Vince. I would think. And you're not going to get the report of who bought the stock because technically it would be anonymous, but he could have just been sitting there. And, I mean, that's slightly insider trading, <laughs> but it's also Vince. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <that's> a- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I don't, I don't consider that a huge red flag. Um, I think, I think more of the ESPN thing is just trying to get the pay-per-views on the ESPN plus and, and Fox plus or whatever. That's what I thought. I think I think Dutch heard the wrong concept. You know what I'm saying? I think it was actually those are the two companies, you know, thinking about splitting some of the big pay-per-views like we've heard before. You know, with the Rumble, uh, if they consider Money in the Bank, Survivor Series, you know, SummerSlam, WrestleMania. I think that's all of them. You know, those are the big ones that would have that draw. But who knows? Uh, I just I kind of found it a little bit strange. But, you know, uh, whatever happens, we'll find out. I, we do know that ratings-wise, Raw and SmackDown have been doing terrible. Uh, you know, NXT's been keeping where they, they, they thought they would be normally. And I don't think they're doing bad. But compared to, you know, the past, Raw and SmackDown doing terrible. Raw, I think, had the lowest one. I think it beat last week, which was the lowest one before one that was, like, from a Christmas a couple of years ago. Like, not good. Uh, we know the XFL obviously did not do well, um, to say the least. And not really to the fault of the XFL or Vince, but the pandemic also had something to do with it. You know, having to abruptly stop, definitely. And uh, just hearing rumors uh, from Dave Metzer saying that staff are saying that Vince is very, very agitated at work constantly. He's not in a good mood. I, I mean, I don't, I don't expect him to be in a good mood right now anyways, but... It's just, um, I think all of us assumed, Chris, basically, that Vince had it out and it had everything in his head so that he would have the company. It would go to his daughter and, and brother-in-law, or son-in-law, I should say, Triple H to Stephanie, and then continue in the family name. Could there be, if not this time, you know, a big entity like a Disney through ESPN or, or Fox or someone else that might actually inevitably buy out the WWE? Uh, it's it's possible but it's, it would take so much just because it's like i said before well i think we actually talked about this briefly on the last show it's a publicly traded company so what does that involve you would have to buy the majority sh- shares which would be vince steph and triple h's shares right so you first you have to do that and then you have to i guess probably pay out of these contract the tv contracts 
And I, I don't think know. the only, I don't the know only what person that would... What do you do with USA? I, you would either have to rework that contract or buy out of it, because I'm sure that there's... I mean, I, I'm not at all... I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know how these contracts would shake out, but I'm assuming there's an out for these television companies if something like this happens. Say if like Vince McMahon decides to sell all of his shares and step down from the role of CEO or whatever, I'm sure there's some kind of out where these TV companies would be like, this massively changes the business model itself of what you guys sold us. Um, so something like USA or, or Fox could bail on those contracts. It would take someone like Disney to buy this. I mean, it would have to be a huge company. I don't know that Fox necessarily has the cash flow to do that. I mean, we're talking about a billion dollar business with WWE on a yearly, yep. even with this being a down year because of the TV contracts, there's still going to be a billion dollar company. Very true. Very, very true. All right. So I'm going to give you, you like the, the other, the, before we move on, the other section of this, and I just thought about it is all of the back catalog and how much that would cost to buy. And whether Vince would actually how much, sell how much that. Do you think the network is worth by itself. Just the just network, the, just the video content. Absolutely, Wait, he paid like five hundred thousand dollars for WCW's video content, right? I rem if I remember correctly, it was some ridiculously low amount for all of their video content. So if you equate that to what it's actually worth after WCW closed and after what everyone said, I mean, I would think that that the network itself. <laughs> With just the video content from AWA, you know, FCW, NXT, WWE, WWF, all of the pay-per-views, I'm assuming that that's like a would be a huge fucking sum of money. I don't know what that amount of money is, but it would it would have to be another huge lift outside of just buying current WWE as a company. Because technically, I guess, I, I mean, I don't even know how that how that works. Does Vince just own the rights? to those things or is that included as part of the public trade under the wwe umbrella that's where stuff really gets strange it'd be nice to actually find someone that could maybe break down how something like netflix getting bought would be handled like a lawyer or something so many lawyers are out there listening <laughs> and have negotiated any of these large contracts uh hit us up on twitter or something so that we can we can do an interview with you and you guys can break this down what, what's what's the one that um, that Hulk Hogan uses? Is it Brian Bloom? We'll use him, not Brian Blair. He's part of the uh, the um, the Killer Bees, and not the ones the Hornets that are coming over here. Anyways, um, let's. Uh, I'm gonna give you like the last three, and you can kind of just talk about what you want out of all of them, Chris. We have AEW was fined uh, ten thousand dollars by the Maryland State uh, Athletic Commission. Over the Moxley Omega match, they never got the uh, basically okay to do half the shit that they did afterwards in the lights out match. Stooge by I forgot who did it, but some some person that's either been involved in wrestling in the past, but whoever kind of a douchebag. Now not big money for Tony Khan, but still kind of a pain in the ass. Um, we had Matt Riddle addressing the rumors that he has backstage heat, saying that that the people that he has backstage heat with per se doesn't doesn't. Um, doesn't get in the way of his business and what he's doing in wrestling. Probably Goldberg's who he's referring to that. He's had conversations with triple H and Vince and they're happy where he is. And if you want, I can give you the whole entire quote from that. Um, and the, the last kind of one, you know, uh, observer, all the major outlets have been kind of saying it's, it's, it's strange the way that WWE is handling Roman Reigns, even 
by editing a package with Seth Rollins uh, cashing in uh, like he did at WrestleMania, but not having any part of Roman in it, actually making it look like he stomped Brock Lesnar. They go to black, one, two, three, and then as if Seth won it. And we have Roman saying that he's taken time off not only because of himself, but also to protect his newborns uh, that he just had, which makes a lot of sense too. So he could also he could be out indefinitely. I think this is more about the fact that just keep him out of your heads right now, so that when he comes back, it could be big. But a lot of people are making it seems more to do about nothing. Um, but any conversations about those last uh, news pieces? I mean, isn't he? He's like signed till twenty twenty three or something. He's there for the rest of his life. So I don't know that they're going to release him <laughs> or anything. I, I'm assuming it's the absence makes the heart grow fonder. They want to keep Roman looking strong while he's gone, so they didn't put him in that video package getting pinned. They just let you assume what happened if you didn't watch WrestleMania. I think it's the thing that the the internet likes to talk about the idea of maybe Roman Reigns um, being. Vince's favorite son, so to speak, kind of falling from that pedestal. But Roman's still a huge draw. I think some of the ratings with Roman and Brock not being there, it shows. I could be completely wrong on that, but I guarantee you if Roman and Brock showed up, the ratings would go up. Um, I don't see... I don't see WWE do anything brass with Roman other than this is just a way they're going to let him come back completely fresh. And worst case scenario, if they want to feed into this, they can just do him versus the company again, which they've done in the past, where Roman is like the disgruntled employee kind of Stone Cold Steve Austin thing, which is like, like I said, they only know how to book like three, three things now for top guys. It's like you're either the disgruntled Austin or you're the Daniel Bryan, where you're just going to have to take a bunch of losses and hope that you get over and then the other one would be like, here's our monster heel Baron Corbin kind of thing. Or, or Chris, he goes, says, fuck you to Vince, gets the hell out of there, and goes to New Japan when it starts up, joins the Gorilla's Destiny, becomes a new leader of the Bullet Club, and has a series of matches with Kazuchika Okada. The world's not ready for that because Roman Reigns having a five-star match with Okada, it's going to make people's heads fucking explode. Wait, it wasn't his fault? It was It was the way <laughs> WWE does wrestling matches? What? <laughs> yeah, like the guy's a fucking athletic freak. You're telling me Okada can drag anyone through a match, but like you're going to give him someone that's decent to work with? Like Okada, he could book a 30-minute match with Roman Reigns. I'm sure it'd be fucking great. And people would be like, man, Roman should have left a long time ago. Yeah, I even think just his personality, man. I just, anyways, thinking about that guy being unleashed is kind of cool, but yeah, I just think it's nothing to worry about. There's no smoke to the fire, no big deal, Um, and we'll have to move on from that, you know. I mean, this is a bit of this is a bit of chance for them to unleash him, to give him some more of that personality, and to kind of come back to what they were doing, building up to Mania, which he wasn't a part of, some showing more of his personality. And uh, having a feud with Vince or whatever. But, you know, they tried to pull the trigger on this with Kevin Owens headbutting Vince, and then they backpedaled really heavily. I mean, it would have to be... It would have to be Roman going after Vince, specifically, for it to work, and then you would need Vince to be part of the character, and I think that would be um, smart. I don't know that WWE will do this with 80-year-old Vince or whatever, but... Well, why don't they replace Vince with uh, Mr. Brody Lee? 
He's kind of <laughs> sneezing is a sign of weakness, Darian. That's why. All right, let's get into this. Uh, into these conversations about the shows. Uh, let's go into Raw first. Um, what do we start off with? Raw. Thank you, Uprocks, as usual, for your breakdowns, in which I read off of. I appreciate them every single week. Episode opened with MVP interviewing Oscar, Naya, and uh, Shayna Baszler. On the VIP lounge, the three women uh, traded insults until Baszler and Asuka decided to team up and kick Jax out of the ring. Uh, it was pretty good. You know, I mean, I like that they're kind of keeping these three ladies as as many much as I have faults with Nia Jax. You know, these are their three badasses. And I like that Asuka is still presented in that way. I, I don't have a problem with that at all. And I kind of like, like, you know, you have we want we want a few between Shayna Baszler and Asuka. It's kind of like the reason why I want a feud between Adam Cole and Finn Balor is because they are the two. I think I think Asuka has the 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 most wins and and uh, what you call it. Um, yeah, Asuka has the most wins and Shayna has, has held the longest. So they're the two best NXT Women's Champions. Well, you know, considerably by the fact they've had the championship. Let's just put it that way. Anyways. Um, and the fact that they teamed up to take out the bigger threat of Nia Jax. Uh, I like the opening. And I also like MVP. Uh, the rumors of Apollo Crews going heel and, and, and being a part of MVP's squad. It's kind of cool. I still think that it should be who I said it was. But I don't, I don't even remember. I think it's Shane Thorne and some other dude. But something Cade, I believe, is his name. I don't know. But how did you like the opening um, with MVP and these three ladies? I thought it was a good opening segment. I don't necessarily know that I would want Shayna associated with Nia Jax. Uh, the interesting thing that would come out of that would be if if somehow Shayna gets stiffed in one of these matches, is is Shayna going to shoot on Nia? <laughs> is she going to look at it? Is Ron she going to pull the Brock Lesnar style, man? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Is she going to Brock give, give her the Brock Lesnar receipt, which is still like one of the greatest things of all time? <laughs> <laughs> probably not for Braun, but it was definitely entertaining. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the buildup. I don't know where Asuka fits into this scenario. I'm assuming they would do a match and Asuka would end up getting pinned. Right? I'm just glad they're keeping her fresh still. You know, she's not going in the background. Yeah, I mean, they could really use her on SmackDown. Either her or Carrie. Yeah. I think they should put them up anyways. Put Carrie on uh, SmackDown as a new baby face. That'd be awesome. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting with these three ladies. Uh, and, M- the- and you said MVP's crew with was it um, is it Lance Cade? No, the- Lance Lance Cade's a wrestler that was uh, what's what's his name? Not Dick Murdoch, but Trevor Murdoch's partner. Okay, um, yeah. It's something. It doesn't matter. It's it's it's. I like Shane Thorne. It's it's him. Another Australian, and now Apollo Cruz apparently is going to be having a heel turn and becoming the third member of that group. Why not just? I mean, you really don't have to be completely heel if you're MVP. You can just kind of like be cool. Still have Ricochet and and Cedric as your 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 babyface tag team, and Apollo more domineering but still like I, I don't i don't get it it's kind of dumb to me i mean why not just turn cedric and ricochet heel and do that because you're turning ricochet heel that's so weird it's but like he's a, he was a heel he was he was king ricochet in new japan he like yeah, Prince Puma right. was a heel in lucha underground 
Yeah, like, you're right. He can be a heel. I mean, he kind of comes off very cocky like Seth Rollins. I think he could be a swarmy, cocky-ass heel if you wanted him to be. It's not like he's super over with the crowd anyways because you just have him lose every other fucking week. So it's not yeah, really it's not like stock. It's the same thing with, Ced, with Cedric. Um, you know, we haven't seen that much of the personality from him anyway, so maybe you're right. But still, strange, uh, strange way to go about it. I'll just say that. <clears throat> right, so we had the uh, last chance gauntlet match, which was basically everyone who wanted to sign up in the company. Uh. Um it started off with Bobby Lashley and Titus O'Neil, which we haven't seen since his comments after the uh, the Firefly Funhouse on WrestleMania, when he was abruptly just asked to fucking take over hosting because Gronk wanted to get that that title. Um, whatever. Anyways, but uh, Bobby Lashley just tore through him. Then Akira Tozawa comes out. He destroys him with a spear, and then Shelton Benjamin comes out. And you're thinking like. Maybe they'll give Shelton, you know, some some fun. Like, if he beats Lashley, Lashley's already gone through two guys. Shelton's athletic. He can put on some good performances. No, never mind. He goes out. And then, somehow, Humberto Carrillo, who has the worst win-loss record. Like, if he was in uh, – if, if, if he was in AEW with his stats, he would have been fired. Let's just put it that way. He would be – he'd be QT Marshall. <laughs> he would – no, he would be worse. He would be the librarian. He'd be on that type of level. Um, well, Humberto actually defeated by disqualification when Lashley shoved the referee um, and uh, out of anger, and the ref decided to throw him out. For once, the ref is actually being um, intelligent, so I guess that's good. Lashley took out his frustrations on Carrillo. And then you have Angel Garza. He can't fucking do it. You make... I'm, if you can't tell, I'm aggravated, by the way. I'm, I'm breaking this down. Uh, you make Angel Garza lose to Humberto Carrillo after he's been beaten by Angel a million times. So Selena's faction, and she's becoming one of the bigger things on Raw to watch, at least her, with her faction, they lose. Austin Theory comes out. Surely he's going to beat Humberto Carrillo. He's beaten him before in the past. You know, Selena already lost a person. Nope. No, no, no. That does not happen. Somehow, Creo uh, beats Theory by uh, countering a suplex into an inside cradle. Basically, both of them, one was a sunset flip, the other one, it was like desperation babyface mode to a babyface that's been destroyed. And then the next person to finally destroy him is the returning AJ Styles, who returned from death. There's no change in, a, in his gimmick, it seems, or his personality from what he went through. I mean, I guess they can throw little little uh, PTSD-leveled stuff in there later on, I guess, but nothing. And not only that, as a Georgia boy, you couldn't have let an Austin Theory go against AJ Styles for the ending and have AJ pin him. You have Humberto, who I just did not think any of this shit was necessary. I thought it was poorly booked, Chris, and I didn't like it. I was mad about it. Gotta be honest. I mean, the thing about the AJ Styles coming and getting the win is he's already beat Humberto Carrillo in the same exact match. Or didn't Humberto already have the same exact match against Saudi that led to him, like, wrestling AJ and then AJ beat him? And AJ had beaten him, like, 15 times in a row before that. Like, why are we re- why so are we much. rehashing this stuff? I do like, like, I will say the commentary did try to point out that this is a... Di- they kept saying this is a different AJ Styles as far as, like, how he was working in the ring and that maybe that match changed him. 
or whatever. But they could have done a lot more with AJ Styles and probably some really entertaining things. Um, I'm not saying give AJ like a face paint or something weird like that, but you definitely could have done something different with a character. And they didn't. And the match itself was fine. I'm just really tired of these gauntlet matches. I think that once Kofi got over, they were like, this is how we get baby faces over now. And they're going to keep doing these because they get stuck on one thing and they get stuck on that one thing for like two to three years. I know it works. It worked for Seth. It worked for Kofi. I don't think it's working anymore. I completely agree with you. Uh, after the match, I mean, what were you going to say? It's Seth. Seth was already over, though. That's I a mean, good it, point. Help, it helps Seth, but Seth too. had like a 40 minute. It was a 40 minute match, and he was the first person in last man out kind yeah. of thing. So if you're going to do that with someone that's already over to make them look like a badass, like when Stone Cold used to have gauntlet matches where it's like the gauntlet match itself is not this weird elimination thing. It's that, no, it's one guy and you have to beat 10 other guys. If you want to do that, then that's different than what they're currently doing. But an elimination style gauntlet match. At some point, why the fuck would you not just have a battle royal? No idea. The things they do, I swear. So after the match, Styles needed to attack Carrillo, repeatedly smashing Carrillo's leg into the ring post. Then he cut a promo about how he's going to rewrite history at, at Money in the Bank. So we have AJ Styles added. Now, I think a lot of uh, people were choosing different wrestlers, Chris, before, and we'll go over Money in the Bank. And now it seems like over Aleister Black, over Daniel Bryan, over over a lot of the other participants, Otis included, AJ Styles has jumped to the top of what a lot of people are believing uh, is who's going to win the men's Money in the Bank match. Uh, do you agree with that, or are you not sold completely? I think I'm sold on AJ Styles winning because there's a level of faith in AJ Styles to be able to play a heel and carry that briefcase um, properly. So I, I think there's probably a level of trust in there. I thought for sure that this spot was meant for Kevin Owens. Yeah. Well, Kevin I Owens didn't think they were going to bring. Back. Yeah, I, 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 did, I didn't think they were going to bring AJ back so soon. And if they were, I thought they were going to bring him back in a much different way. So I wonder if if this spot was a, was originally for Kevin Owens and then they decided to put AJ in there. And now AJ getting money in the bank, actually, I mean, to me, that makes a lot of sense. He's a former champion already. Um, he's a guy that would match up well with Drew McIntyre. There's just a lot of things they could do with him. All right. So after, oh, I already went over that. Uh, Seth Rollins was interviewed about his match against Drew McIntyre at Money in the Bank. Gave his normal um, Amish, like, I am the cult leader. And I, I can't stand this this new <sighs> interview style that Seth Rollins like, did with, with this new character. It's, it's, it's so like Raven wrote a bunch of promos and left them in a notebook. And then they were like, let's give Aleister Black some of these and Seth Rollins some of oh, these. Oh, God, that's so sad and true. Oh, Lord. But it's, like it's at least believable with Raven. Like it <laughs> doesn't fit the rest of these characters. You know, you know what? And I'm gonna bring this up now. I, this goes back to to Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins. How I think of him as a heel, and I know that I maybe from him, maybe you know, all of a sudden it's not where you want to have it look like with his character that he is a direct, not ripoff, but very very similar to Triple H. But I, I watched with my brother before we actually uh, we went on air. 
we re- we rewatched the uh, Untold, uh, which I definitely recommend for anyone uh, between Cactus Jack and Triple H and their feud and how, you know, Mick wanted to get out because he wanted to retire. His body was all fucked up and he wanted to put Triple H over so he could be that big heel to go against The Rock uh, while Stone Cold was, uh, you know, getting over his injury. And the way they built it, I wish they put elements of that in with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins of, of having that back and forth dynamic and stuff like that, even having great matches before the WrestleMania match, instead of putting them in these stupid fucking tag matches over and over again and not building any type of tension so that even though they had a great match at Mania, it didn't really fucking mean anything. But I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I just feel like sometimes they don't know how to story. Well, I mean, everyone knows that. Their storytelling sucks, and they they go off on these 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 fucking, you know, you get a win, I get a win, you get a win, 50-50 booking, or put them in some three-on-three tag match with the same fucking people every week, and one's going to get a win over it. It just how, – is Vince just getting old, or – I don't get it. I would just say WWE doesn't have storytelling. They just have matches. That's what it really comes down to. Like they're just like, all right, this we're gonna these we if we do the same four or five matches, everyone knows that this leads to the pay per view, so that's what the fans want to see. And it's like, no, that's not really what the fans want to see, but you know, it's okay. It's like if you had (laughs) if you had a built corrected concept, I think a lot of us would have want this, where you know you you build it, sets a heel now, but he he's he's back to the architect, and it's not this fucking weird whimsical cult leader thing. And, and Kevin Owens is coming off very strong, like the Austin, you know, that same thing, what Cactus Jack was for that feud. And you have Kevin Owens get, like, some losses from some bullshit, but have really bad battles. And then at WrestleMania, he gets the up finally on Seth Rollins. That is so much more meaningful than the way that they did it with boring-ass fucking tag matches every goddamn week. Yeah, so, the AOP. And the, the only thing that came out of that that they should have, taken to the next level was buddy murphy yes honestly i agree i thought buddy murphy was really good in that crew and had some really good yeah and he had really good in-ring matches there's there's shit they could have definitely done with buddy murphy out of that and i I, maybe some of that is maybe he's stuck somewhere right i don't know we haven't heard anything about buddy murphy he hasn't been on the show in what two months well i think he was on this show he helped him win but that that's been it he just finally came back and now is the disciple and that's not the best name to have in wrestling if you can't remember at Leslie. Yeah, uh-huh. that's that's what I, that's more of what I'm getting at is they didn't do anything with him for months and now he's back. Was he stuck somewhere? And then also I don't necessarily know that being Seth Rollins is number two during this uh, current run is the best idea for for someone like Buddy Murphy, who I thought did a good job of getting himself over with that group of AOP and Seth Rollins, et cetera. Yep. Well, uh, how do you feel about Edge and Randy Orton um, being on next week? I kind of, I have an idea of booking they're not going to do in my head, but uh, what do you think is going to happen between that standoff, especially after the reception of the match at WrestleMania? I don't know. Hopefully they're a tag team. Honestly, (laughs) this is no joke, but I thought just embrace the sadistic after Edge wants to make his fucking comments. Maybe he's a little bit frustrated. Have some situation where, you know, it looks like Randy's about to do something to Edge. Maybe Christian comes out and runs and tries to save him. And then Edge fucking takes out Christian and just says, fuck this. I already got what I wanted from you. I beat you. 
let's destroy and take over Raw is, uh, you know, rated RKO because I really don't want to root for, for, for Edge as a babyface anymore because of his statements. I'm kind of uh, a little bit pissed off about it. Maybe he's a little bit pissed off about fans. Well, the whole thing is like, wasn't Randy part of Randy Orton's promos? Is it like you, you like, you turned your back on me for the fans kind of thing? Maybe and he now can the just fans point out. Turned, yeah, the fans have turned their back on both of us. And I hate when they do that, but in this situation, it kind of makes sense. Make them rated RKO again. I that like it. Really... It's interesting, I think. I, I think that there's a way you could put him and Randy back together that would make sense and give something to the tag division, which is starving on Raw right now. I mean, yep. who the hell is the prim- who the primetime players, for instance? Like, they don't have anyone else to Street really... <laughs> or Street Profits. What do I call it? They call them the primetime players? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's it's them and the Viking Raiders apparently. It's the only tag team. <laughs> it's just those two. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't even trying to make that comment of like comparing them. <laughs> I just I don't know why primetime players came up. <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, all right, so we have Brandon Vink, and that's who it is. Brandon Vink and Shane Thorne, represented by MVP, defeating Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. Uh, Vink pinned Ricochet after a big boot. Ricochet getting the loss. Do not like. Uh, do you keep on building? You've gotten them a couple wins. They, I think they already have a win against these guys. And now, because MVP, they're magically going to, you know, kind of two no-names. I hate to say that about Shane Thorne, but if you don't watch NXT, even if you do watch NXT, you might blink and forget about him with the mighty. So, Cedric and Ricochet get a loss. All right, I guess this is going to keep on going with MVP. I just thought it was, like I said, to me, MVP with the two of them would have made more sense. But uh, did you like this match at all, Chris? Well, the match itself was fine. I don't like where they're going with Cedric Alexander and Ricochet, but that's just a common theme on the show that we talk about week after week after week after week. That's ridiculous. All right, so the Viking Raiders defeated the tag team champions, the Street Profits, in a match uh, with the Viking experience on Angelo Dawkins. Uh, so, you know, they're going to be, I think, getting a title match tonight, I believe, against them. I don't care. <laughs> How do you feel? I just don't care. Also don't care. I mean, they're going to win. Unless they're going to turn this thing into some kind of crazy ladder match, there's no intrigue to this match at all. All right, so Alistair Black and Rey Mysterio both had promos that were actually pretty good. Alistair, I like because it was directed at AJ saying, you know, we're not we're not finished. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be the person that, that knocks you off your pedestal, sort of thing. And Rey Mysterio, you know, that 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 but, I'm gonna fight from underneath. The person that knocks you out. The person that knocks him off his pedestal already happened. Undertaker fucking buried him. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> like this is like part of the problem is if you're gonna have him go against Alistair Black, you love your. Your uh, crazy gimmicks versus crazy gimmicks. Why did you not bring back AJ Styles and more of a, like at least give him the new Japan mask and have him demolish somebody with a chair or some shit? Like not talk for a while, you know, not 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 as long as Sting did on Nitro for a whole entire year, but like have him very silent and ominous for like a little while, like a little bit. You could tell like he's off in his head or some shit. Nothing, nothing, no. Yeah, because otherwise it's just like AJ is AJ is just heal AJ. Which is fine, but it's you had something you could have really built with him and Alistair if that was the route you were going to go. Especially after he just got buried by the Undertaker. 
Like saying you're gonna knock someone off their pedestal after they just got buried in a boneyard <laughs> match doesn't really doesn't really resonate with me. But the promo itself, as far as the wording and stuff, I guess was fine. It just doesn't it's storyline, it doesn't make that much sense. He's already been knocked off his pedestal. Motherfucker got buried. <laughs> yeah, dude. Do you think Rey Mysterio's been cutting the best promos as of recently in his whole entire career? Like from the heart, baby face promos? Because I think he always does a good job now. Easily. I mean, they never really gave him a chance on the mic outside of him winning the title or the build up to him winning Rumble. Like they never really gave him the mic and was like, hey, go be a baby face. But he knows how to do it. And I thought the stuff he did against Brock and the stuff he's done recently has been really good. He's probably the best baby face WWE has, whether they want to admit that or not. They, they don't do enough with Daniel Bryan or Daniel Bryan would be their best baby face. Um, but yeah, I would say Ray right now, as far as promos and like just overall love for a character in persona Rey Mysterio is by far one of the best baby faces they have I will say that I, I I've been thinking about or I thought about I should say that one of the future episodes if we do you know when we do the um comparison again I'd like to do Rey Mysterio Jr. and Ricky Steamboat as like you know two of the supreme baby faces of all time like you know that's I think there's a lot of comparisons between the two of them if you will combatisons see I mean, not to go off on a tangent, but I think, you know, Tanahashi and Ricky Steamboat would be a very good one as well. Yeah, that's actually, that is a good point. Yeah, they have a lot in common, and their moveset is very similar, too. Um, You know, Tanahashi seems like he watched a lot of Steamboat and uh, Tatsuji Fujinami, um, because that's what it seems like his his style or his his, his moveset is based off of, those two. But. With Ray, it's so hard to pick a comparison just because, I mean, outside of like maybe you could say like Dynamite Kid or something, just because of the height kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ray's fucking great. It was a great baby face. Good promo. Good promo. All right. So as Charlotte Flair came to the ring to talk and was interrupted by Liv Morgan. They exchanged words and Morgan challenged Flair to a match. And uh, Charlotte Flair beat Liv Morgan by submission with the figure eight. But I thought this was actually a pretty damn good match. From when I watched it, I am uh, getting more impressed that Liv is getting more comfortable on the mic. She said a bunch of gobbledygook, but whatever. And in ring, actually, I will say that she's definitely gotten better and improved. But she is going against Charlotte Flair. So, um, yeah, can't really say anything bad about this. It seems like she's trying to go for the baby face. It's getting beaten, but she's actually taking those said people that should be able to beat her to the limits and also beat her mentor twice with uh, Ruby Riot. So some of the direction that they're going with Liv, I do like. It just I'm glad we eliminated all that silly shit from beforehand with the bathtub segments and the fucking Lana bullshit. Yeah, getting her far away from Lana did wonders for her character. I like what they've been doing with Liv as far as the push. With Charlotte, and they would never do this, but it would be great to bring back the Fuck the World title. <laughs> because since she's wrestling on both both shows and just basically fighting all comers i mean that's what's happening with charlotte's character she's basically taz and ecw right now she's just fighting everyone um so she needs something else added to her character i mean being charlotte flair is a great thing to be but you could add a little edge to it maybe like create like a i mean they even did this in ufc recently right like what is the most badass title or whatever they have it's not a real title someone just made it um, I feel like that you could rebring that back. You don't necessarily have to call it the fuck the world title, but you, you could. But it'd be really cool if, if you did. 
Yeah. All right. So our last match was a WWE, um, the WWE champion Drew McIntyre went against uh, Murphy, not Buddy Murphy. You forget about that. And uh, Drew beat him with a bro kick. And after the match, McIntyre challenged Seth Rollins to get in the ring and fight him. Rollins pretended to leave, then snuck up on McIntyre to hit him with a kick. Rollins tried to hit the stomp, but McIntyre dodged and hit a headbutt. McIntyre attempted to claim more, but Rollins bailed. So uh, this this one kind of goes outside of WWE math. I mean, I, I really feel like Drew McIntyre is going to win, basically. And, you know, I there's no reason I don't think not to. Um, do you think Kevin Owens – will Kevin Owens possibly be the foil for Seth Rollins, or are they done with that? I would think that if – if somehow they're able to get AOP and Buddy Murphy there and Kevin Owens comes back and to to help Drew McIntyre as babyface helping babyface, that makes a lot of booking sense. The other thing is you could just have Drew McIntyre kill everybody and make him your strong dude, Roman Reigns or Lesnar style, which I think is probably more realistic. Um, either way, I, I do think McIntyre is still walking out of that title. It's too soon to take it off of him. I mean, he just won it. It's way too soon to take it off of them, and it seems like they're strapping the rockets to this guy. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea. I think maybe going straight to Seth was a bad idea. Um, but with Kevin Owens being out, AJ Styles getting buried in the ground, I don't know who you would have put against him, really. So I think they're working the best with what they have at the moment. Yeah, I, I'm wondering... Hear me out. I don't think this would happen, but... What if your scenario plays out and Kevin Owens comes, helps out, and then at the end of it, Drew McIntyre wins, uh, you know, but then there's also some other, some sort of beatdown. Or you can do it then where Kevin Owens at the end of it comes and saves Drew. But then after the, the ring settles and, and Kevin Owens is in there with Drew McIntyre, Stunkle Sunner, Kevin Owens just goes out. You know, not not proclaiming babyface or heel turn or anything like that, but just stunners the champion saying, hey, motherfucker, I'm here. And maybe they can oh. the prize fighter against Drew McIntyre. Oh, you mean that he should just be stone cold and stun everyone regardless? Yeah, just fucking do it. Just just go. <laughs> full, tilt, full tilt, motherfucker. Yeah, well, WWE doesn't know how to book Stone Cold's gimmick, even though they're Anymore? the ones that book Stone Cold's gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, he should stun everyone including the fucking announcers and then drink a bunch of Olsons in the ring. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, some good old Canadian beer in there uh, I mean if you're, if, you're, if you're gonna have him you know some Labats or some, some Molsons like if you're gonna have him be fucking stone cold have him be stone cold he shouldn't be teaming with other people like that's not like, I don't know. I'm not saying like have him drive a semi truck, Becky Lynch style, or whatever the fuck that was. But if you want to give him that edge, yes, he should be like, "Fuck you! I deserve to be champion and give everybody a stunner." I agree with you, man. I I, I completely agree with you. All right, so raw ratings were terrible. We kind of went into it uh, beforehand. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to find the exact number. One point six million was the lowest. What was the the amount where actually I think it was NXT and AEW beat them in the eighteen to something demographic they both beat them for viewership or something like that? Um, that's yeah, fun. that sounds about right. I, 
I'm wondering if because of the quarantine with more people staying home and we never get these DVR numbers, they don't really come out correctly. I'm wondering if because Raw is so long, people are just recording it, watching it like the next day or the day after. Yeah. It's three fucking sense. hours long. That, that, because that that's what sense. I do. <laughs> like it, it's a long ass show. I might, I mean, I might watch watch bits bits and pieces of it, but I mean, it's a show that goes from eight to eleven, and if there's nothing happening, um, usually I'll record it on DVR and then watch back the parts that I missed earlier or before the show. Yeah, I feel you. All right, let's go into Wednesday night. Let's start off with AEW with a ridiculously – well, the see, the thing is, I got to say about AEW, and this kind of goes back to I'm sorry, Edge, Edge and uh, Randy Orton, but, you know, I keep on saying I'm sick of these fucking segmented performances and these, you know, false count anywhere just ridiculousness. And I, I have to say, actually, it's I don't think I'm sick of that. I just don't think I liked Randy Orton and, uh, and Edge's match, honestly, because, you know, after seeing Chomp and Gargano do it, seeing the fucking the main event we're going to talk about here, watching the empty arena brawl between Jack, Jake Hagar and 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 uh, John Moxley, it just seems like the, the Boneyard match. It just seemed like that one was just a snooze fest. Am I am I correct on that, Chris? Like it's getting You're 100 percent correct. You're 100% correct because it's basically two Triple H's doing a very slow paced brawl. <laughs> God. <laughs> it's like if you did a mirror match of Triple H. I mean, they both have aspects of that character when they turn on, let's say in quotations, turn on the intensity. It's just the Triple H beatdown match. And both of them wrestled that way. And yes, they had the 27 minute, which I would also equate to a Triple H match kind of match that just went way too fucking long and nothing happened. They just hit each other with shit for like 27 minutes. Um, and then, you know, Edge snapped and won or whatever. But yeah, like, no, I mean, the comparison you're about to make, Matt Hardy's fucking brilliant at these things because he's not afraid to get goofy. They weren't going to let Randy Orton and um, Randy Orton doesn't seem like he's a guy that gets really goofy anyways, but they weren't going to let Randy Orton and Edge get goofy because they had built the feud so well. Uh, versus like Undertaker and AJ Styles, which they just let do whatever, uh, which was great and very well produced. So, yeah, I think that you just hate that one match, and it's very fair because pretty much everyone hated that match. Yeah, just unfortunate. All right, so we went back to a live AEW Dynamite tonight. They're going to record, I think, or at least they already recorded the next episode. So I think what they're trying to do is record two episodes or do a live shoot a recorded episode and then let that air and then keep on kind of doing that format until they can go completely back live. But it was good to see Jim Ross rejoining Excalibur and Tony Schiavone. But I will say that I miss Chris Jericho and Tony Schiavone's antics. And I really think, especially, you know, it's, it's going to be postponed, I think because of all this, but if they're really getting a second show, I think Taz needs to be one of the main announcers on it permanently along with someone else because I think, to me, Jericho just brings a lot of – he was doing a lot of stuff that Taz does because they're both wrestlers. They're both able to highlight stuff. But Jericho was such a great heel commentator because he was still putting over the baby faces and still able to bury them at the same time. And Taz takes it such a ta- technical standpoint that he's able to make a lot more believability within the way that he commentates. And that's nothing against Tony – 
That's nothing against, uh, you know, JR. That's nothing against Scalabur. But sometimes I do like Tony more in the position, even though I think that he was great at play-by-play. He just can't really do that with Excalibur and JR. He's more of like another extra dynamic. So having him as the mean gene interviewing and having Taz a part of that, I kind of like that dynamic better. Like I feel bad for trying to say Tony Schiavone should not be a part of that main group, but do you agree with me at all, Chris? No, I like Tony Schiavone uh, being a color commentator and being kind of a mean gene presence as far as interviewing goes. I think that's spot on. I think even WCW knew that, and that's why they brought in Mike Tanay as the play-by-play guy with color doing uh, uh, Tony doing color. He's really good at color commentary. Um, And having someone like a Jericho or a Taz there to fill some of the gaps uh, with Tony works really, really well. With JR, I think what you could do with JR is kind of what WWE did. Um, Have him call the big matches. Him solo announcing that what uh, Moxley match with Jake Hagar a a while back was fucking great. Yeah, you could bring him in for those big moments, and you could add a cut, you know, a color commentary to him. I love Jr. I don't think he has to be on every show and every like. You should use him as the big match guy, Uh, which you know WWE's done in the past. So I was going to say, if they get the two shows though, Chris, do you think they should have two separate commentary teams? Um, yes, but they should be designated right now. I think people are giving them a little bit of pass of rotating people in and out, but you can't, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that every week. Yeah, I agree. But, I All mean, right, you so- need the voice, you, you need the voice of your show, whether it's like with TNA, it was Mike Tanay for the longest time, right? Even though Taz was there, it was Mike Tanay was the guy you need the guy. The one guy, like Michael Cole, is WWE's one guy. He's the voice that you expect to hear right now calling a match, right? They they need to establish that and have that be the guy. And JR is technically the guy for the big matches, but they've rotated in so many people. Um, I think they're getting a little bit of a pass of it right now with it, some of it being recorded. But um, obviously, the quarantine situation. But you do need to establish who your top commentary team is for these big matches. But I'm completely fine with them bringing in and out people because I think it's worked really well. And it, it keeps it kind of keeps the matches fresh and the show fresh. Um, you got to figure out something for the commentators to do in that scenario. Then. If you're going to if JR is not going to be on the show, for instance, he should be doing a sit down interview with someone in the back. Like have a reason for it if you want to go that route. Yeah, I agree. I also wanted to say that uh, I was I was pleased to hear I, I haven't watched it, but uh, Jeremy Borash um, joined the commentary team on 205 Live, and apparently they're building him uh, for NXT or another place. So always like Jeremy Borash as a uh, not only as a producer but all, as a uh, announcer. Um, and I think that they could find. I know that they have they have this new concept where you have to have these robo females, and I don't think any of them would be bad if it wasn't for them being so scripted. But Jeremy Borash is a really good backstage announcer as well, so. I wish that they would take advantage of that in WWE, but this is not about WWE. This is about AEW. Um, yeah, so- I, I mean, I I wish they would take advantage of this stuff too. When you have so many good people there, they could be doing these segments as far as like a backstage interviewer with WWE. The other thing they could do is just let them not be so stoic and yes. uh, show a little bit of their personality every once in a while. I mean, that's why Michael Cole and Coach were kind of got promoted to being commentators is because of their personalities that they showed with the rock and stone cold and, and yeah, you're feeling kind of bad for these geeks getting pe- picked on. 
you don't really see i mean outside of jericho i haven't seen anyone make like charlie caruso or any of the other backstage wwe females work and, and part of that was jericho being like what he called like he would call charlie like stephanie or chad or michelle or whatever he would just do a different <laughs> name every time and uh so some of that is on the wrestler, but a lot of it is just like they ask, they have to ask, they give him the dumbest fucking questions to ask them. It's like, so you just lost that match. How do you feel? He's like, well, I feel fucking pissed off. I just lost that match. <laughs> like, give him a better setup question at least. But yeah, Jeremy Borash would be great at it. And the other thing is, after watching a lot of old TNA, I'm very surprised that Don West hasn't gotten a job as a color commentator somewhere because he's he's pretty damn funny, right. honestly. Yeah. All right, so um, we had our first match between Cody and Joey Janela, and um, I like this match. I think it was good. Um, Cody obviously won against Joey, but I'm trying to think, trying to think back in my head details of this match because there were a couple things that went down. I don't know. It just Cody's becoming more aggressive, and he beats Joey Janela. I don't really know what they're doing with Joey per se. I just feel like. He is kind of I'm not I'm not gonna say a shtick, but he's very, very, very dude love meets early Cactus Jack thrown into one person. I know that he's very influenced by Mick Foley, but I wish sometimes he would kind of try to find his own identity um a little bit. I guess he does have elements of like a um who is who am I thinking of? It's Jimmy um from from the uh, Freebirds. Uh fuck. Help me out. Freebirds members. That's not Michael P.S. Hayes. I, I, or I'm fucking spacing. I'm thinking of Terry Gordy immediately. Yeah, you know, Valiant. He has like he has elements of that too, but I don't know. I mean, he's just he's known for also being able to take a really, really good bump, and I get that. And he's actually a good wrestler too inside of the ring. I kind of wish that he would put on a little bit of muscle. I hate to be like that type of person, but I think it, I think it would benefit him a bit as well just with the overall look. But it seems like he's pretty down on the card. And now Kip Sabian stole his girlfriend and he just lost to Cody again. So um, Cody's becoming more and more ferocious. He's like throwing away the sting concept that he had originally and just now has that glaring, angry look on his face like he wants to decimate someone. And I kind of I'm wondering what that's going towards. So that's a very interesting element. How'd you like this match, Chris? It seems like a heel turn. That's what I'm saying. Going. It, what it's going i mean that's what it seems like it could be wrong but it definitely feels like he is turning heel um especially with not caring about brandy getting hurt last week if you remember that yeah. um, didn't give a shit he really didn't give a shit he just kind of kept wrestling which is and like the anti-sting yeah like that's the that's the anti-sting thing to do sting would have like carried her to the back macho man or hulk hogan miss elizabeth style kind of shit um so it is interesting that maybe he is so lost after not losing the ability to ever face the title, get the title again, that he's going to turn. Um, which, I mean, Cody is, is a great heel. I just thought that he's, he was like the best baby face in the world uh, like a month ago. So to me, it's a little too soon, but who the hell knows? I mean, I guess he's got to go against the murder hawk. So we'll see. Do you think I thought that that's match- confidence? I was going to say, do you think that's confidence in Cody to think that if he becomes heel, he can make some of these baby faces that he's already started developing, like a Darby Allen, get to that level where he was as a baby face? 
Or is that kind of cocky or arrogance, if you will, from him? Because I think he's going to lose to Murderhawk, which is what you were just about to say, and that's going to descend him even more so into this. Yeah, I mean, if he, if maybe, well, maybe the Murderhawk is the reason he has to turn on that different level and become a person that he's not, right? Um, I would say if that's the case, that Adam Page is your biggest baby face. You got to figure out a way to bring it back. That's a very good point. Uh, but yeah, because I mean, outside of Darby, well, I guess technically Darby would be their biggest baby face, but I don't think they're ready to pull the trigger on that yet. With Adam Page, you could at least bring him back to take on the entire elite. But I feel like you need to turn them all heel. And I've been saying this for a while, like the elite itself should be a heel faction. I think the worry is that they will overshadow the inner circle if you put all those guys together. But like in, in particular, I've been saying for a long time, Kenny Omega should be heel. The Young Bucks should be heel. Not necessarily Cody, but uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks should have been heel, in my opinion, after that Adam Page match, which I talked about there. That should have been the turn just because Adam Page has gotten so over his baby face. Uh, but yeah, I, the match itself was really good. I agree with you. Uh, I think Joey Janela is in better shape than he was a few months ago. So maybe he's working on that. Who knows? I thought the match itself was, like I said, was really, really good. The thing about Joey Janela is he almost wins every match. So he does do a good job of at least getting his shit in and looking good, even if he's going to lose. Like no one expected him to win against Cody, I guess. Um, no. But it, or win against John Moxley, but he always he always somehow makes the story like he was that close, and maybe that's what they're doing with that character. And we'll see. I like Joey Janela. I'm on the same. Too much from Mick, facial expression wise. I think he draws a lot from. As far as big expressions, yes, I could definitely see that. He draws a lot of comparisons to to Mick Foley and some other of those hardcore wrestlers from that time period. I would just keep in mind that he's used to working in like CZW against like John Zandig and shit uh, in front of 100 people versus like what he's working in front of now. Maybe there's a little bit of a learning curve. But as far as in the ring and stuff, like he seems super solid. Yeah, I I agree with you. I, I do. I think that he is good. Um, in ring, which is something that's kind of deceiving by by his overall look, but you know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. I would like, and I I, I think that the, the concept of Kenny and 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 the Young Bucks going heel is something that we'd like to see. But I think that exactly what you said, trying to make all of the elite heel is going to be kind of uh, kind of productive. I get. I guess you could try to get the inner circle as baby faces because people like them, but I don't think that would work too. I think they're good as heels. It's just like that's a lot of heel teams. But if you take Cody, say, like maybe, all right, he loses, and then they have a match in the future on a Dynamite where the winner gets a title shot against the Murder Hawk, and it's him and Darby again, and Darby finally gets that fucking win against Cody. He's celebrating, and then Cody goes from, you know, like nice baby face to nailing him in the back of the head. And maybe you have like the revival run out and they all just stomp the shit out of him. And then that's kind of, you know, or, or Zack Ryder comes out as a heel, which you think that he's going to save him. Oh, my God, Zack Ryder's here. And then he's he's with Cody and maybe take Cody out of the elites and put in another element itself if you're going to change him heel. Because I don't think as of right now they can turn Kenny or the Bucks, which I would have thought the exact opposite a couple weeks ago. But now I think Cody actually could be the one to go heel out of the uh, the four of them. 
And then you said Adam Page too. That's another person. I think Adam Page is gonna get, is still just gonna stay babyface just because he's so over. But if you need an additional heel or uh, an additional babyface, I should say, not additional heel. If you need an additional babyface, there's always time for the inner circle to turn on Chris Jericho. <laughs> and then you like can that. have babyface Chris Jericho because Chris Jericho is so beloved and is so good at what he does. He'll be able to change that character into a babyface character. Yep, I and who knows? Maybe he'll become broken. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, we forgot about Matt Hardy. That's another player in the game. In the game. Yeah, well, they need. I mean, he needs to get some wins and uh, quickly. All right. So Tony Schiavone interviewed Nyla Rose, who yelled at him about how she's the most dominant force in AEW women's division and always will be. And she had a pretty short match against. Kenzie Page, um, Rose pin Page after uh, gratuitous, un, like like I think it was like four power bombs. Um, she was playing off the heels in the audience, which you know normally I think that would be stupid if like the audience was like again, but she was obviously playing off of them. So I thought it was pretty uh, pretty domineering. I will say, I think now that is I think now that gets better in the ring a lot, and I also more than anything. Her as a heel on the mic, I think she's very efficient, Chris. I think she's very, she's aggressive, she's scary, and she seems to be comfortable. I agree with that. I actually like the uh, the promo in the match itself. And there is a specifically shout out to Kenzie Page, who took this one bump. She took like a power bomb and then rolled into a somersault for one of them to set up the next power bomb. That shit was awesome. So good for you. I know you were just there to get demolished, but like you at least did a really cool bump. Yeah, and she was uh, she was trained by uh, Pritchard and uh, Glenn Jacobs, which is pretty cool. Tom Pritchard and Glenn Jacobs from their new school, so they sent her to get sacrificed, but really to get airtime. So that's kind of cool that they're working with them. Um, and she was she was good at, at taking all the bumps she was given. Yeah, I love the fact. I mean, she took like four power bombs in a row, which is fucking brutal. But that the I think it was the second one. She like took it and it kind of made it. She like made it look like it was her neck and then rolled over into a somersault and was kind of hunched over trying to get up and then called another one. That looks really fucking good. I have high hopes for Kenzie Page after the bumps that she took in this match. Let's say that. And uh, Nia, yes, looks like a dominant force. And they focused on Britt Baker, so I'm assuming that's maybe what's happening next is Britt versus Nyla. We will see. All right. So um, <laughs> MJF cut a promo from his penthouse announcing that he's injury free and we'll be back in the ring next week. And we'll kind of get back to that when he has his interview with Tony in a little while. Um, and then after that, Sean Spears cut a backstage promo blaming Cody for how badly Lance Archer hurt Dustin Rhodes, arguing that Cody should have thrown in the towel and that he didn't because he was selfish. And then Spears, like I said, and MJF were at ringside with Tony Schiavone putting each other over. Schiavone revealed to MJF at the end of it, after he berated him with a bunch of insults, that MJF is facing Jungle Boy at double or nothing to MJF's dismay. Um, I like what Sean Spears had to say in his promo. I thought it was actually believable. I think it made a lot of sense. I don't know if I need him being the one saying it. I'm sorry. I mean, what, another match with Cody on, on Dynamite? It's not going to really help him out at all. Uh, keep on looking for your tag partner. And MJF <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I'm just going to be like a matter of fact about that. Um, and then MJF, I, I like that he's going to have a match against Jungle Boy. I miss Jungle Boy, so they'll have a great match. Um, yeah, that's about it. How would you feel? I liked uh, all of the MJF segments, the uh, ringside stuff, as well as the bringing the throne out and sitting on the throne harkens back to uh, Cody breaking the throne kind of thing. I like that they're incorporating some of that, him still hating Cody. I thought the promo was very, very good. And I also like while he put Sean Spears over, he basically forgot who he was like midway through the promo. I can't remember if he said his name wrong or he was like, and I'm the best of all time and there's no one even close. And he was like, except for maybe you. It was like something really dickish, which I really appreciated because he knows the other guys a heel too. But like he kind of buried him and then was like, oh, no, never mind. I'm not talking about you. It was it was good. It's good shit. Oh, I remember the details of his interview or when he was on the throne and everything. I like how he's like, he's not as good as Piper. He's not as good as The Rock. He's not as good as Flair. And he basically says that's because I'm MJF. Like he's trying to get away from that. Like obviously those guys – influenced him immensely but he's not he's not those guys he's gonna be the next one that you talk about and i love the cocky and the arrogance of him and it makes you believe that he isn't just a an imitation or or someone just taking a lot from other older wrestlers he's he's his own villain you know i I like that a lot yeah i I think it i think he's been really great on the mic and i'm excited to see him wrestle again it's been a while that'll be a fun match against the jungle boy I'm assuming there'll be some Wardlow fuckery. Absolutely. Uh, but then we could get some Wardlow, Wardlow going against Luchasaurus during it, too. Yeah, and I think the thing about Wardlow is they gave us that very awesome match with him where he just demolished that fucking guy. Was it Pineapple PD demolished? I'm trying to remember. No, nope, but like Pineapple... Two... <laughs> Never mind, we'll get to that later. What did you say? Uh, he demolished like two people two weeks in a row, and then they he wasn't on the show. I, I was hoping that he would have another match, maybe against maybe the Janela Janela should have went against Wardlow because I don't think Cody necessarily needed it. But um, give him like an actual opponent that's not QT Marshall or a squash match because he looks really good in that Cody match, and I would like to see more of Wardlow as a character for the eventual babyface turn of Wardlow against MJF. MJF's never going to... I don't see MJF ever being a babyface. So I'm just oh, assuming no. that Wardlow will just get tired of the shit. Hell no. Alright, so... I really like the next match. We had John Moxley going against Frankie Kazarian. Um, weird that Frankie has hair now. Um, but... It, you know, it... What are you going it's super weird that he has hair now, especially after watching old TNA where he had like the longest lusciousest hair of all time, like 2002, 2003. Yeah, dude, you know, when he looked like Billy Ray Cyrus. P- pretty much. <laughs> Back but in those X say, Division days. The, dude, I, I've seen Frankie in a lot of wrestling. This really impressed me. He is a really fucking good wrestler. And I think he made John Moxley, who is also pretty good at grappling, he brought that out of him as well. I thought the guys had a really good match. Uh, I know a lot of people were like, why the hell are you having John Moxley, you know, uh, have long matches with people? He should be, like, cutting through them. But I just don't think that that's the style that John Moxley personally wants to go about. I think that he wants to have good matches. And Frankie's a very suitable opponent, past champion, you know, in multiple different companies and stuff like that. And I love his style. And uh, I, I, uh, I looked up. Because I was trying to figure out, you know, uh, who his influences are. And 
it was Ricky Steamboat, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Shawn Michaels. So, you know, some of the best. <laughs> but his punches yeah. and a lot of the uh, the ways that he did certain things, um, the way he moved remind me a lot of Bret. I thought that he was very impressive and uh, stood out uh, by himself. I just, he doesn't need to be the, the, they kind of, him and Christopher Daniels are like the, the old guys. And it's like, you know, you got some old guys on the car that are doing a little bit better than that. Like, I know they're a great tag team, but obviously Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian are still very efficient singles wrestlers. So that's all I'll say, but goodbye Moxley. I'm not as uh, keen on his title uh, reign as I wish I would be. And unfortunately I think it might come to an end very, very soon. I could be wrong about that. But uh, how'd you like this match, Chris? Oh, the match was very, very good. I don't get people not liking him like Ambrose in a long-form match. He's not... I, I thought the commentary was really good. I'll say this. It's like Ambrose is a knockout punch boxer is kind of what they put over in commentary. He's going to look for that one move. He's not going to out-wrestle you at every every point. Um, if, if you want to see a different John Moxley, I guess, if you're listening this and you didn't like that match maybe just go watch him in new japan because it's completely different like him and uh who was it him and suzuki he recently fought where it was just a straight brawl there's like four moves in the entire match (laughs) um so i guess it just depends on what you want out of moxley he's the champion he's also got to try to make kazarian look good because i think the story is going to be kazarian and and uh scorpio sky and Christopher Daniels is eventually going to have a rift so that Scorpio Sky can move on to singles competition. And they even kind of told that story in the commentary. Yeah, makes sense. So uh, after the match, a bunch of Dark Order goons attacked Moxley. SCU joined to try to help out Kazarian and Moxley while they were berated. But they got taken down by the masked men. Then Brody Lee came out in a suit and hit Christopher Daniels with a chair. Uh, right over the head. While a beaten Moxley lay in the ring, Brody uh, stood over him and cut a promo, challenging him to the AEW World Championship. Moxley pulled enough together to say, <laughs> it was so great and so Moxley-esque, uh, all you had to do was ask. And then the goons beat the shit out of him <laughs> while Brody Lee left with the title belt, stealing the title belt. I thought this was awesome. And on, on, unfortunately for Moxley, I'm not saying that he can't win that title again. But maybe Brody Lee and, and baby faces ch- chasing Brody Lee wouldn't be a bad idea. Uh, I don't know how it's going to help Brody Lee to get a loss after building this concept up. And I couldn't help to think, huh, Austin McMahon. Anyways, uh, how'd you like all of this? It was very Austin Terry Funk to be like, all you had to do is ask after getting your ass beat. <laughs> um I thought that was great. I like the setup of Brody Lee possibly versus Ambrose, and I'm assuming they're just going to do that at Double or Nothing, which is right around the corner. So yeah. it should be fun. I think that's going to be good. I, I don't know that I would take the title off of them so soon. Um, and if they do, is it going to be Inner Circle, ver- who's kind of a tweener-type deal? Is it going to be Inner Circle? Is Chris Jericho going to start chasing the title again? I don't know. I really don't. Um, I think that Adam would be a person, and we keep on saying his name, but I don't know what's going on with him as far as coming in. Maybe he's one of those people. Maybe he has. Maybe Adam Page does have some type of immune thing that we don't know about, and that's the reason why he's been out. But he would be yeah, someone I would set up. 
Or it's that, or I they're mean, saving him for a good storyline. That's very that possible. Too. That too. I mean, there. It's very. It does not look good between someone like a Darby Allen and a Brody Lee, but. Do you keep Darby Allen in the TNT picture or do you eventually have him piss off Brody Lee and then Brody Lee's like, I'm going to kill you. And then that's, you know, leads up to him getting a title shot. If it was me, I would have Moxley retain and then go against Brody Lee again and then drop the title down the yeah. line. But I would have Murderhawk beat Cody Rhodes to set up like him starting to take out the rest of the elite. And then that's how Adam Page comes back into the, the fold to have Adam Page versus uh, basically put the two rednecks together from Texas or whatever. <laughs> Let's go that route. Let's get cowboy shit versus murder hawk. Um, I feel like that's a good way to go. But there's a lot of things that they could do. And, and the one thing I like about AEW is all of the ideas that you could come up with coming out of a match don't suck. Whereas a lot of times when we talk about WWE, we know how WWE books, it's like, it's like you're trying to book yourself out of a corner constantly. <laughs> if you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely do. All right, so sitting at a desk, Brandy Rhodes cut a promo on Jake the Snake Roberts, warning him that he doesn't know her and he needs to keep uh, her name out of his dirty old mouth. This is actually, you know, that was kind of a brief description. I wish I remembered every element. Brandy's really good when it comes to promos. I will give you that. I like... And I like this side of her, which is kind of showing her more, not heelish, but it definitely wasn't a babyface promo. And she basically kind of threatened him. Now, it wouldn't really work out in her favor. And here comes the, uh, I guess, the most controversial thing that happened on Wednesday night with Lance Archer, with Jake Roberts, with mask on in the audience, going against QT Marshall with Brandy Roberts, with Brandy Rhodes, I should say. QT trying to avenge his friend Dustin, idiot. Uh, During the match, Dr. Britt Baker hit QT Marshall with her shoe. So Brandy grabbed the shoe and threw it out to the stands. Uh, But really, I mean, this this was Archer just demolishing Marshall um, and uh, got the EBD claw after his reverse uh, outsider's edge. I don't know, inverted. I forgot what he calls it. Uh, And then pinned him. After the match, uh, Britt attacked Brandy at ringside, knocking her out with a DDT. Nice little, like, you know. Also, good DDT by Britt Baker. That was actually really good. Then Lance Archer dragged her in the ring. And Jake Roberts uh, menaced her with the live snake. That's a very, very uh, good wording for it, menaced her. Well, actually, I mean, he uh-huh. just basically took the snake and uh, uh, pulled out his mask, which is probably not the best idea, but, you know, that that's fine. And kind of made it – it just got a little bit too much after a while. Even commentary was like, all right, Jake, we get it. Uh, we get it. Yeah, Jake – Jake started Prince fake humping her like she was a stage. Yeah, a little bit. It got a bit weird. And then also that was the most lethargic snake ever. They must have had it in like a fridge or something. Because that snake just like didn't move. He like put it on there and it just chilled. It was like, hey, what's up? Hey, you're pretty cozy, Brandy. Mind if I just hang out here? All right. (laughs) The, the, The snake was not very menacing and it was not a very large it was not like a what was the old what's his old snake's name? Damien. Damien. It was definitely not a Damien level of snake or Macho Man Cobra present <laughs> type Jake the Snake assault. All right. So the question is, do you think he cleared this with Brady beforehand, or do you think he got too into it? I think he cleared it beforehand. I hope so. 
because that was. I mean, he got he got fucking heat. Yeah, (laughs) that was the idea. He's definitely gotten fucking heat this week. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, it's not like it was overly. Well, we had that kissing thing with Dustin recently, and that was to me way more than like the kind of push up position over top of someone talking shit to them. And I think they want to play off that he is a dirty old man. And that's why she said that in her, like the dirty old mouth comment. Um, so maybe they're playing into that a bit. Uh, but you know what? I could be wrong. I would just think that if I was wrong, then Brandy Rhodes probably would have said something about it on Twitter and there would be more backlash within the company to Jake the Snake Roberts than there actually has been. So I'm assuming that it was. It's played towards that. That I mean, Jake the Snake is a fucking real heel. He's gonna do real heel shit. So like, simulating a, a potential rape in the middle of the ring is something that Jake the Snake would do as a heel and get heat for. <laughs> now, uh, do I think that's appropriate nowadays? Probably not. But that doesn't mean that you know your sixty-year-old Jake the Snake's like I'm gonna get some fucking heat. He did it. That's what I'll definitely say. And I do keep on enjoying his addition to Lance Archer. Now that will be the second question. Even if the Murderhawk gets a championship, we talked about this not too long ago. Is this becoming Jake the Snake with Lance Archer in his championship? Or is this Lance Archer with Jake as his, his, his uh, you know, what, what's this really about? It seems like there's a lot highlighted on Jake and Lance is kind of in the background for a lot of it. Well, I mean, there should be, though, because they're not going to have Lance cut promos. So it needs to, the focus needs to be on Jake being the super heel and this being kind of his enforcer. He is the Kevin Sullivan. He is the evil mastermind behind the man that is Lance Archer. I think they should shoot some more of those Lance Archer thousand House of a Thousand Corpses <laughs> promo videos uh, when they're That's able to. Um, but they need to tell us why Lance Archer is so loyal to Jake the snake. I think we're at that point now. Right. Um, and as long as they get that over, I think Lance Archer is going to be fine. Also Lance Archer's like last of the Mohican red haircut thing is a fucking makes him look like a destroyer. So scary. All right. Well, backstage we had Taz attempting to interview uh, Darby Allen uh, after his loss last week, giving uh, Darby kind of heelish. Very similar to MVP, I would say, but uh, pointers saying that he could help him out with his style if he, if he ever needed it in the future. But Darby just looked at him, you know, gave him an eat shit look, refused to talk, and pushed the mic away and left. Um, can I just say that even something small like this, I love Darby Allen, Chris. He just comes off like he's such doing- a fucking badass. I mean, he is basically doing the thing that you were talking about earlier, Esteem. Yeah. He doesn't talk. He hasn't talked in months because of the larynx thing with the little signs. And then yeah, he I just no, and then he just no sold this interview. So maybe that is more of what they're going with with this character. And uh, the only thing I would say that that finish like sucked, but at least they're trying to build a story around it. Yep. Uh, and then we get to the craziness. Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara going against Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy in a tag team street fight around the whole entire Bailey Center and the arena in Jacksonville for the most part. Just Matt Hardy switched personas three times. He came out as Broken Matt Hardy. 
Uh, he then changed and was the original Matt Hardy. Uh, I don't know if that's supposed to be 2.0. I guess it would be 1.0 at that point. And then came out at, later on in a nice machine as Damascus. Um, just brilliant fucking shit, man, around Daly's place. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, all the stuff. The biggest thing, obviously, that happened is when they're in the golf cart and Chris Jericho does the bump where he basically slides his arm, you know, across the window and then kind of makes himself roll off of it like it's nothing. The bump that Sammy Guevara took off the fucking golf cart was awesome. And this whole entire he, thing. He, just, he took it like a ring post. Yeah, he, he hit did. the side of it, which was great. Like, it made it look like he got ran over because he saw where the camera was and went to the opposite side of the golf cart and then just did a ring post bump off the fucking uh, little post for the golf cart where the little thing goes over top of the golf cart, the shade area or the windshield area. So he just basically hit, like, the A-pillar <laughs> of the golf cart and then took this crazy-ass bump. It's incredible. Sammy Guevara is fucking incredible. He is. Absolutely. Every fucking week, he's. I'm just like stylistically this kid is ridiculous oh well and not only that but personality wise too his charisma's for days uh, another crazy thing kenny did a moonsault off a fucking scissor lift um you know originally he was going to go up top of it to go do a table spot but that was you know null and void because of the interaction with the rest of the inner circle because basically kenny and matt were fighting everyone um they're fighting jack hager they eventually had to fight lax off of them and there's fighting sammy obviously and chris but uh, he just did a, a backflip off the thing and just was so precise. Kenny's athletic as hell, man. I, I, there's, there's no doubt about that. He, fucking Kenny Omega. But it would end with Chris Jericho powerbombing uh, Omega on top of the golf cart. Then Jack Hager came, choked him out before he picked him up and let Jericho hit him with the Judas effect and pin him. And at the end of it, all of them posed in front of or with the opening of Jacksonville Stadium. And on the, on the fucking monitor, it said the inner circle. Great touch, great match. Must have been a blast to, to. I'm assuming they had to do a couple different takes, unless they did that all in one take. Um, and if they did, well, kudos Jericho to the production. Yeah, Jericho, so probably one take. Could, kudos to the production team if they were able to pull that off completely live, man. That that was fucking ridiculous. How did you like that match, though, Chris? I mean, I because it's Jericho and Matt Hardy. I assume they did one take, honestly, just because they. They've said on multiple things that they like the bu- little bit of the bubbly thing. He hated doing the multiple takes. He thinks it just then it comes off kind of forced and recorded. So I'm assuming it was one take. I like the match a lot. I thought it was great. I love the involvement of the inner circle. I liked the ending. I love the Sammy Guevara bump. Um, the the Kenny Omega moonsault was perfect. It's just he wiped out Matt Hardy harder than anyone else. <laughs> He's like, I guess I trust Matt to catch me. So he just jumped directly at Matt. Matt's like, fuck. <laughs> I feel like if you go back and watch it, Matt Hardy's in the center of that, and he catches like all of Omega, <laughs> and everybody else is like, "Whoa!" <laughs> um, it was pretty cool. I like the the raising of the scissor lift, and uh, I wonder if because they maybe they did do it in one take, that's the reason they didn't do the table spot because the table seemed too, set too close to the scissor lift. If you go back and watch it, the table seemed a little too close to do a move there. Uh, it would have been very impressive if he didn't just wipe out on the floor and hit that because he would have just had to jump straight up and then turn. And there was no like lift for him to, you know, usually you want to set the tables like three to five feet away. So you have a little bit of room for 
mistakes, but they were like directly against the scissor lift, essentially. Unless so you're fucking they, crazy Jeff Hardy trying to do a fucking swanton, then it's like, hey, whatever. Put it right next to the goddamn. Yeah, well, Kenny Omega is not Jeff Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> he, he does some crazy he's, shit, but he's also not trying to kill us all. He's not fearless <laughs> like that. <laughs> Jeff Hardy is the charismatic enigma, I've heard. <laughs> He's a charismatic enigma. He's got a family, damn it. This was a great show. This show was fucking well worth watching. And if you haven't watched it already, fans listening to this show, you should definitely go watch it. It's a lot of fun. All right. Well, as we transition to uh, NXT, we'll go over the ratings real quick between the two shows. Um, Brian Alvarez reported that AEW Dynamite averaged uh, 732,000 viewers, while uh, WWE NXT brought in 663,000. Uh, both of the shows are up. TNT's uh, was ranked number 12 on the top 150, while USA was 33. Um, and I rem- I'm trying to – I wish I could find the stat, Chris, but I'm almost positive that in the demographic, both of them did bet- better on the 18 to – I think it's 18 to – is it 42? I don't remember. 49, 18 to 49. Well, yeah, there's like two different – metrics is like what 18 to 23 and then there's the big metric which is like 18 to middle age which is like 40 or something yeah um, so 18 to 49 they both beat uh monday night raw for the that demographic um, i mean not surprising they were much better they were much better shows yeah just uh them growing i think is the only thing that really matters uh nxt i guess we'll get like a couple wins once in a while maybe but i just like that both these shows they have well, Jim Cornette said the best. He got, he, he, Raw and SmackDown don't have a cult following anymore. He goes AEW and NXT, and as and yeah, he he has problems. This is Jim Cornette, and like I said, you can say what you want about Corny, and I completely understand if you don't like him. But when it comes to watching wrestling, he doesn't like a lot of new stuff. He puts over a lot of stuff in AEW. The stuff that he doesn't like, he's never going to like, but that's fine. But and, and NXT, he likes it a lot too. But he says that NXT. And AEW both have diehard audiences built into them. And it seems like WWE with Ron SmackDown just kind of, they hope that the popularity of the built shows will get them somewhere. And they've kind of lost their niche audience, their, their diehards. Uh, do you kind of agree with that? Because I, I think he's right on that. I agree with him, but I think it's a lot because of like not having Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. I think they push the needle way more than people think. And there's a reason why Vince brings Brock back, uh, brings Goldberg back. It's because they they move the needle on how some casual fans are going to watch the show or even some, I would say, lapsed fans of wrestling. If there's something there that's a huge star that's very memorable, I think that does change the pace of the show quite a bit, Um, which is why I tend not to be as hard on Brock Lesnar as other people. Um, Obviously, with Roman being gone, I think that really affects SmackDown. They don't. Daniel Bryan's not the same level he is. They haven't done a good job of booking him, and they don't have like to me. SmackDown doesn't have a clear number one guy. No. Like, uh, and and Bray because losing Goldberg, etc. I think he lost a lot of steam off of that, and yep. you're starting to see it in the numbers, especially because there's just it, people are watching TV all day. You know, you're watching a lot of other good shit. Like if I was watching the Ozarks, for instance, SmackDown's about to come on. I'm probably just going to keep watching the Ozarks. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of good shit other than wrestling to watch. And if you can't build a character or make someone feel 
a certain way about top talent, you're going to get this. But with AEW and NXT, you have diehard wrestling fans because those shows put on good wrestling matches. They're built around having wrestling matches. And, and, with, uh, and with AEW specifically, you have the idea of, you know, Chris Jericho's there, Dean Moxley's, or uh, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley's there, um, Matt Hardy's there. You have these big names for those other types of fans. I will say the NXT experiment with uh, Charlotte being able to move the meter has not worked the way they thought it was nope. going to work. Same way of them bringing in other talent from the main roster. But then the main roster's ratings are down right now as well. So who the hell knows? It's a toss-up. And like I said, I, I would almost prefer if you could get a combined rating from the DVR score or the Hulu. Like, there's nothing out there right there that really points to if people are still watching the shows. Because I still feel like people are watching the shows. Maybe they're just watching it differently because they're working yeah. at home or they're doing, you know, like, I don't necessarily want to watch wrestling for three hours right before bed. But if I can wake up the next day, and this is kind of how I watch, you know, Raw, if I can wake up the next day and maybe split it out over time through a recorded process or whatever, that's how I tend to watch Raw. Um, and I think with, you know, quarantine, like I said, so many other different streamings and so much other shit that people have going on in their life and working from home, maybe you're just like, I'll turn this on while I'm working kind of thing. Um, so I'm, I, I would almost be more curious to see what the DVR numbers were for SmackDown and Raw. Uh, AEW, obviously, they've been known to get high, like DVR slash uh, video stream because part of their stuff is on fight um, numbers. But I'm assuming the NXT is the same thing because it comes up on the network the very next day. So it, it's just really, really hard to think. I, I, I'm assuming that both of those shows get a million viewers each week, at least, just from people that tune in later or watch it on a different platform. <clears throat> all right <clears throat> sorry guys oh, hold on one second <laughs> I, that's cool i will say uh while you're coughing i'll say it's not a good look to go from 2.3 million to 1.6 million uh if you're wwe and have the lowest ratings you've kind of ever had it's not it's terrible that, that points out something about your show that's not connecting it's not necessarily must see tv anymore Ugh. yep all right, well, um, you know, continuing our Wednesday must-see TV journey, we go over to NXT. I think AEW had the uh, the better of the two. Um, I don't think that's kind of a stretch at all. But I really liked NXT as well. I think that, you know, either, even if one outperforms the other, they're still both fun shows to watch. I just need to learn how to <laughs> stop watching both of them at the same time because I end up having to watch rewatch like, you know, <laughs> um, Again, so if I could just say screw it, if I'll get spoiled with certain things the next day, that's fine. But just put it off the Thursday night for like one of them. Just pick one on Wednesday to watch live. It'd probably make a lot more sense because I can't stay up to watch both of them in the same night. Um, so with cable, I watch generally most times. Um, the last couple of weeks, I watched AEW first, but uh, I have like TNT West, so I can watch NXT on. USA and then there's like an hour delay and then I can watch the run of AEW afterwards. So that's generally how I watch because there's like an hour delay between them and then I'll watch it and usually it's finished by like 11 or 12 o'clock or whatever Um, just because I guess they air it later uh, in the West Coast which makes a lot of sense especially with them not doing live right now I guess. That makes sense. I don't know man it's like it's become 
I'm missing out on the wrestling when it's like that. You know, I, I kind of, I'm just getting the spectacle, but I have, I literally have to stop watching one of them in order to watch the other. So, um, I think next week I'm going to change it up because if I have to re-fucking watch both shows anyways, again, or, or even if I have to like, watch certain matches, it's kind of kind of productive, you know? Even though I love both of them. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely try recording one of them and maybe watching NXT the next day when it posts. Um, but I used to, I mean, I, I'm this is coming from the guy that used to channel switch during Monday Night Raw on WCW and then trape tape with, or, or trape tape trade with friends the next day at school. Like if I watched all of WCW, yep. I was like, hey, I recorded WCW. Do you want this? And I'll trade you for your Raw. Like that was my life growing up. So I totally get watching, trying to watch both at the same time. But even then, I mean, that's part of how tape trading became a fan or a thing when like 10,000, 10 million people are watching these shows and you're like, oh, I got to choose one or the other, but I also want to see the other one. Um, That's kind of what AEW and NXT is. You just got to pick one and kind of stick to it because the flipping back and forth thing, um, Man, it, I've tried. I tried it with it when it first, when the shows both first started, and it's almost impossible to me now as an adult to keep up with all of it. It's crazy, man. It's just like it's too much. Well, all right. So the beginning, we had Johnny Gargano coming out with new music, new look, new attitude, going against Dominic Dijakovic, um, and Gargano's now a heel. I mean, we kind of saw this coming. Shit, a year before, and then they turned him babyface real quick. Uh, shortly after that, it was uh, it was during the time where they went to main roster. All of a sudden, Tomas Ciampa and him were were heels again, and they were working with Adam Cole. And they had that that Super Bowl halftime where they're on the opposite side of Ricochet, uh, Velveteen Dream, and Aleister Black. Wow, I actually remembered that. That's crazy, but. Now he's like obviously turning it up. He pinned Dijakovic with the one final beat after uh, Hurricane running him to an exposed turnbuckle. That was cool spot. How he was working on it, he got caught, and I thought he fucked up when he couldn't get it off of it, but he came back to it. So uh, Gargano, um, it says now uh, for his thing, all heart, no soul. Uh, okay, that's his new little catchphrase, I guess. Like I said, this is going to be an experiment, Chris. I really like Johnny Gargano as an entering wrestler. Um, he's showing a different side. Is it working for you? Because I'm kind of hesitant. No, I think he's a terrible heel. <laughs> and I don't like the new theme music. I thought the match itself was good. I like the Hurricane Rana spot, like you said. But uh, not, that DDT not, thing is cool. I will yeah, say that. I'm not a huge fan of Gargano as a heel in general. He just doesn't come off like a heel. At all. It's kind of like Jeff Hardy. It's like a guy that just you don't see as a heel. It's just very hard to believe. You built him as this like prototypical baby face, like the essential white meat baby face. It's very hard to see him as a heel. And uh, the all heart, no soul thing, I think, is a little bit of a play of the black heart. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't make as much sense as the black heart. Like black heart meaning you don't care about anyone. You're, you have a heart of darkness. You have the little Grinch heart. Um, which right now, I guess, Champa's uh, grew three times for Christmas or whatever. <laughs> uh, all right, so Imperium. Imperium! Marcel, Bartel, and Fabian Eichner cut a promo challenging the NXT Tag Team Champions. And we will get that picked back up uh, a little bit later. <laughs> God damn it, I swear to God, Matt Riddle. 
Matt Riddle being Matt Riddle, uh, turning on a little bit of the intensity, but it's just such a weird pair. It's even more so with Pete Dunne because we got to know Pete Dunne for a while. You know, this is this is kind of our first introduction to Timothy Thatcher, and um, you know he's going back with them, doing that whole entire shtick and, and being very angry. But you know, Timothy Thatcher looks scary as shit, man. Like I said, he's got like the the face. Like the Snaggletooth, kind of Benoit, but he's like 6'3", so he's actually a pretty stocky gentleman, and he just looks intimidating. I don't know if the substitute is working. I hope what, what you've been saying, Chris, is going to come into fruition where he just gets kind of airy, like, I'm not Pete Dunne, and just knocks out uh, Matt Riddle, maybe hurts him, takes him out for a little while, and then Pete Dunne comes back, and we see that awesome clash. I do hope that's what's going to happen, but it is still – Pretty uh, pretty charming, pretty comical. I like it. They accepted the challenge. So we're going to be seeing Imperium versus Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher. How'd you like uh, both these uh, promos? I thought they were great. Um, love Imperium. I love what they're doing with that with the entire group. I think it, it was awesome. And then Matt Riddle, he's, he's just such a good promo at playing this character. He really is just really fucking good at it. And uh, I think Thatcher is fitting well. I, I do still lean towards the fact that Thatcher is eventually going to turn on uh, and maybe, you know, for whatever reason, hurt Riddle. And then uh, you're going to get his, this is your babyface chance to turn Pete Dunne as a babyface to come save his broken partner, right? Like the guy that Pete Dunne basically acts like he didn't care about, he actually did. The stoic Pete Dunne. He's like, that, that was my bro. Like, that's the only promo you need him to do is like, I can't believe he would do that to my bro and then go after Timmy Thatcher. And then, like, you have a feud there. And then, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that's a fun way to do things. And Matt Riddle is just week after week is fucking incredible um, on NXT. I agree. All right, so we had our interim NXT Cruiserweight Championship tournament match. Akira Tozawa going against Jack Gallagher. Uh, and Akira, dude, they... I think they, they, they've been using Akira on the main product of Raw and on this a lot more often. He's gotten, I, th- I want to say it's two and one. But, I mean, the reason why it's weird is because Jack Gallagher, this is his third loss, I believe, within the tournament, if it's not his second. Um, still, but uh, Akira looked awesome in this match. He is a lot of fun. I remember when he first showed up and he had his blonde hair and he was he was just doing a uh, belly – uh, belly to back uh, bridge suplex as his finisher like that was it um really really enjoy him and uh yeah just um pretty good match i mean all the nxt ones have been good i just I, I hope when we get down to the gritty these are really fucking well thought out matches but good so far how'd you like it so is akira eliminated because i think this was like his elimination match right no he like wasn't he, eliminated. he beat he, he beat uh jack gallagher Okay, so, but points-wise, is he out of the race? Because this is like a point, this is like a New Japan point tournament. Yeah, I was confused. I So, I, I was assuming that each person has to go against each person, and then whoever has the best from these two blocks, that's how they're going to have their their, uh, their winner. But I, I don't know if you, lo- if you lose a certain times. Like, right now with Gallagher, is he, is he done if he has three losses? Because he can't come back. Well, I think it's just the layout of the tournament. If you have three losses, you're not going to have the points to get there if there's other people in your block with two losses, basically. 
that from what I recall, because they're you're running out of time. The end of the tournament is what two weeks away. Mm-hmm. So like you could tie with someone, but I don't think WWE is going to do any kind of tie point situation. I actually don't um, know. It's it's weird, and it's uh, they don't do a good job of covering it, like the G one, as far as like who has what points where. It's not there's not a good statistical breakdown before each match, even with the commentary. At least in my opinion, if if you're trying, because that's to me that's what they're doing. They're doing a super juniors or a G one type tournament. They're not giving us enough detail to know like this person needs to win his next three matches, for instance, to make it to the finals or to even have a shot. Like if you're going to do something that's statistical, you got to make sure that you're putting that over in commentary. And uh, outside of Maru, uh, Maro Ronaldo just yelling shit, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, you know, I, I've got to admit, uh, I think that I've noticed this even more. Not saying, you know, obviously Nigel is a very great force when it comes to announcing. But seeing Todd Phillips struggle to get anything in, who's he's used to being a fucking lead commentary. And I, I like, I've always liked Todd Phillips since I saw him in NXT when I first started watching wrestling again. Um, and I think he's fine. But you can tell that Moronello, I'm surprised Beth is able to say shit the whole entire goddamn time, basically. <laughs> Todd, Todd Phillips is by far the best like straight announcer they have, like as far as a play-by-play guy, at least in my opinion. Um, but yeah, Morrow just takes over the show, and it. I I didn't really like him, and this has nothing to do. Like, it sucks that he was bullied, and that the people are assholes in the wrestling industry or whatever with JB the JBL situation and a bunch of other things um, that have happened tomorrow. That sucks. I just don't like him as an announcer. <laughs> like, I just don't. It's just too much yelling. It's just constantly yelling at me, and it's not only like when Jim Ross is like. It's, Man's got a family, damn it! Like a one-off. It's just the entire match. Not everything in the entire match is that exciting, bro. Yeah, I'm kind of getting to that point as well. All right, so we had our next match: Chelsea Green going against Zia Lee with uh, interference from Aaliyah, distracting Lee, uh, allowing Green to hit the "I'm prettier," and Robert Stone afterwards shook hands with Aaliyah. So maybe that's the direction they're going. How'd you like this? They need. We need more Robert Stone. We need more Robert Stone promos. But yes, I like the direction of maybe him coming up with a, a little bit of a faction. I think that's a that's a fun thing that they could definitely do there. It was nice to see Chelsea get a win. Um, people berated her really hard on Twitter afterwards, and she, and she was very positive about it. Like, I guess you guys just don't like me. That's fine. Um, but yeah, Why? like Chelsea what Green is. I, I guess people just don't like her. Like, I don't know. I thought Chelsea Green was pretty good in Impact, so I, I would say let it flesh Dude, out. Laurel Van Ness, the, the, the crazy ex-bride, was fucking so creative and awesome, and she did a great job with it. And it, it, who, was, who was the little love story that they had with Laurel where she was basically stalking him? Um, uh, Greedo? It was a Greedo? Greedo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mr. British uh, Dusty Rhodes or whatever the hell impression he's doing. Yeah, it was great. Like, she's good. Give her a chance. She's not bad in the ring either. I, I think that uh, there was just a, apparently just a lot of hate of her getting a win uh, for some reason, which seemed very odd to me because she hasn't, I mean, outside of like just going into a battle royal and losing and stuff, like she's not really, this is like kind of the first full match of hers, I remember, and uh, probably her first legitimate win. 
Um, I, I just, I guess I don't get the hate, the hate for uh, Chelsea Green. And also, uh, I, I want, I want Robbie to become a great heel manager. And if he's running an all women's faction, that could be really, really fun. I think so too. All right, so Velveteen caught a promo on Adam Page about the upcoming NXT Championship match. Um, and, you know, heel promo, or not heel promo, dream promo is what I meant to say. Um, I thought, thought that was a good promo. Um, you know, it, it's stuff that he has been saying, but it sucks because, Chris, he's not going to be able to back it up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We all know what happens at the end of this show. Uh, I guess I'll just ask you right now. <laughs> You know, we'll, we'll talk about what happens. We know that he loses Adam Cole. Where the fuck does Velveteen Dream go after this? And this obviously wasn't influenced, I don't think, by anything from the online stuff because it was shot before that. So, like, so he was going to lose anyways, and now that shit happens. Well, I mean, uh, he came out and had, like, three or four really shitty appearances that were taped. So maybe Triple H is like, uh, we got to get this guy back to where he was and not necessarily against one of our top guys. And I like Velveteen Dream a lot, but if you look back at the past past bunch of appearances, he has not looked like the same Velveteen Dream. I'm not sure if that makes sense or not, but uh, yeah, like to to me, maybe that's what it is. Is they're just dialing dialing him back to set up something uh, going forward. What do you think? I think you're right. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, just really bad timing and a lot of bad other stuff. Oh man, I swear to God, I think I pulled my shoulder again. I hate getting old, Chris. Why do we have to get old? I don't know, man. I had a friend that reposted something eight years ago that, where I was like, we should go skateboarding. He's like, you still want to go skateboarding? It was like eight years later. And I was like, no, I think that time in my life has passed. <laughs> Too old for that shit. And I was never good at it to begin with. So definitely not. Yes, I think we're just both getting old. You you weren't good at it? The first time I was on a skateboard was the last time I was on a skateboard because I didn't last long, you know, long on it. I fucking just was on my ass all of a sudden. I'm like, what happened? And then I realized at that point, skateboarding was not for me. I just liked cruising and doing manuals. That was pretty much <laughs> my foray into skateboarding. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so how did you like this? Because I was very impressed, but I think I agree with a lot of people that stuff like this with a live audience, uh, at least as good as a presentation as you could have for a new entrance, a new wrestler – the pop that they would have received. I mean, this was praised by McFoley, by a lot of people online. And I thought that Karrion Cross and Scarlett Bardot, now I, I guess it's Scarlett, um, made a very dramatic entrance. Uh, just everything well, well timed out. Her coming out first, him, you know, kind of going in front of her shadow, and then her singing the lyrics to the song. And it's this very ominous, weird song. Um, I'd love to find out if she actually is the one singing it. That would be awesome if that's true. But just her lip syncing it, and then they get in the ring, and it gets much more intense and heavy. Kind of fiendish, I will say. Almost like the new the new stuff that for The Fiend. Um, but just with Killer Cross and that scary look upon his face and that mon- monster you know, energy that he has. Now, I can say that I kind of agree with Jim Cornette because this, this, this match wasn't – 
I mean, it wasn't a complete squash, but Jim said that he doesn't like it when heels kind of tower over the person they just hurt and they just kind of don't do anything and just make facial expressions. They, they especially on like a first type of thing, should just want to destroy the person and get it over with. Uh, but still thought it was really good. I will say that even though I think Karrion Cross is really great with facial expressions, sometimes they can come off like kind of like Vince Vaughn or some shit, like like kind of a little bit, kind of a little little bit too comedic, <laughs> like a little bit too fake, a little bit too over the top. But a lot of times I'm getting what scared me about Psycho Sid is what I see in his face. Now my worries is that Scarlet might become the star of the two of them, honestly, just from the presentation they they gave us. I don't think that I, I think that they'll do fine, but that would be my number one worry with uh, Karrion Cross. How'd you like this? I, I think it's fine for Scarlet to become the the face of this group, much like with what we were talking about with Jake the Snake earlier. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just how you book the person, right? I really liked uh, I really liked the segment. I think Cross is going to do great. Um, it did come off a little fiendish, but that's just because WWE tries to build a lot of the same characters. I think that he's better in the ring than Bray Wyatt, and uh, the character has a little bit more legs having a manager and doing this kind of stuff. I don't necessarily like him giving offense. I kind of ju- uh, agree with Jim Cornette. He should just have demolished this person and then continue to demolish them with it being his, his kind of first in-ring appearance. Um, but yeah, no, I liked it a lot. And it definitely did suffer by there not being a crowd there uh, to some extent. I think the thing about the thing that suffers right now with introducing new characters is you don't know what the fan reaction is going to be. Like, what if the fans are just super behind this guy? Uh, but you're going to book him as a heel for the next four weeks. That's that's a good that, point. That's the hard thing to gauge as far as introducing new people right now is if you introduce him and everyone's just super behind Killer Cross, then fucking make him a baby face, right? <laughs> like, you can have like an Undertaker baby face. It's possible. It's possible to do. Like, Aleister Black was technically supposed to be a heel until the fan reaction, and they're like, oh no, he's definitely a babyface uh, in NXT. And it's really hard to judge without the crowd being there. I love it. And I will say that I think it was uh, Jim Cornette who has brought it up about worrying about, you know, just, you know, make sure that they're both even keeled, not as far as being the face of the group, but like, you know, it doesn't become about, he compared it to, to Mark Marrow and Sable. Don't let it become like that type of situation. And what also she has going for is she's actually an accomplished female wrestler. She's actually good in the ring. So she can actually branch off and do her own thing from there. But I actually would say that maybe it's more in the the style of a Macho Man Liz thing where they both can be primetime players, excel each other, and that's more, you know, that they both become, you know, bigger from this. Yeah, and I mean, Cross has been in the business and on camera a long time. Like, he was an impact for forever. He's really great. So I'm assuming there's a lot the more. Yeah, and, and there's a lot more they can do with him. This is just too early to tell. But uh, I will say this. Sammy Guevara, Guevara is a better better singer than Scarlett. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sammy's got that, that beautiful voice, man. Uh, Sammy just that. yelling, I'll become, I'll become, I'll become in. is like the best. <laughs> I love how that almost every time make, almost makes uh, Chris Jericho pop. Like it, it's hard for him to 
stay in character when when Sammy starts singing his song next to him. It's like it's like that's Sammy Zayn's workout or not Sammy Zayn. It's like it's a Guevara's workout song. I I can totally see that. <laughs> oh He's like God. really. It seems like he's legitimately into their theme song, which always makes Chris Jericho basically pop, like you said. <laughs> yep. All right, so we have the NXT Women's uh, Championship match, Io Shirai going against Charlotte Flair. And um, I guess now it's going to be, it looks like they're pinning it into a three-way type of concept for the title. Uh, they're going to keep Io in it, well, at least from what happens, because Charlotte wins by disqualification after Flair uh or no, after uh, Rhea Ripley attacked her with a kendo stick after the bell, Flair continued. Oh, no, that's what happened. I'm sorry, guys. My brain's not working. Uh, Flair, it looked like Flair actually just pulled a fucking something that her dad would do. You know, hit some. she doesn't want to lose her belt because she's getting smacked around or whatever. And then she hits uh, uh, Yoshirai with a kendo stick and just starts destroying her afterwards. Uh, Rhea Ripley stopped the attack and ran Flair off, and then Shirai basically said, I didn't need your help. Uh, well, I'm assuming that's what she yelled at Ripley in Japanese, and followed her backstairs while Ripley told her to shut up. I guess now, during the commercial break, uh, Shirai and Ripley had a pull-apart brawl backstage. So I guess these two ladies are going to fight each other and then have another one for Charlotte, or are they going to go three-way, Chris? Because it's not really fair to EO of what happened with Charlotte. She fucking, you know, she she was gonna she maybe she thought she was gonna lose and then she took out the kendo stick to get out EO Shirai. But now you have Rhea back in the mix wanting her title. How do you think they're gonna go about this? I I don't have I don't actually have a clue. I, I think EO has to win. Because you need to move Charlotte. You have to move Charlotte back to the main roster only. Um, unless they're just cool with her being on NXT. But you would think if they uh, eventually they're going to start traveling again and she's going to want to be on the road with Andrade, and that's why they kind of moved them to the same roster originally. So I, I think they've done a good job of building EO. I love Charlotte kind of channeling Laya Cheetah Steel, uh, Ric Flair mode, Eddie Guerrero mode. Uh, I like this. I like the setup for it. But uh, yeah, I... With EO, I, I feel like she just has to get the title. It's her time, right? I, I hope it's her time. I would love to see her with the title. And then we had another interim NXT Cruiserweight Championship tournament match. Kushida going against Jake Atlas. Jake Atlas showing me a lot of... Uh, this kid, I, I mean, I really liked him. He won his first match. Uh, and this is a good match as well. Kushida got the win uh, with the armbar. Dude, because she is so good. He sets up fucking technical Kushida's- wrestling moves like an arm bar in the air while doing an aerial maneuver he's doing technical yeah. while he's doing aerial because she is the fucking best we need to get him on this podcast as an interview immediately he's the fucking best <laughs> god i would love that man how did you like this match uh i i really think she is going to win his block is what i'm assuming i I am thinking Kashida is going to win his block. I don't know what's going to come of it, but I, uh, as far as the finals go, but I, Kashida is just incredible. This is a great match. Probably the, to me, it was the best match on the show. I don't know if everyone would agree with me on that. Maybe I'm just a huge Kashida mark, but this is my favorite match on the show, and I fucking love Kashida. All right. Uh, Finn Balor got a promo about how whoever attacked him won't get a push you're expecting, or expecting, but they will get a squash instead. Um, sometimes I don't like 
you know, and I think we both talked about this, putting too much direct wrestling talk into it. But I wish I had, like, the breakdown of the whole entire promo. Finn's getting, like, Finn's getting good on promos, man, as a heel. He's much better. And if you want to watch him as Prince Devitt, he's a little more cocky as a rock and roller when he was the leader of the Bullet Club. But he, I just think that him on the mic is better as a heel. And now I think they're trying to make it so he's tweener-ish, but he's still using the aggression. And, uh, you know, he, whoever attacked him, they're going to get it. They're going to get it. And Cameron Grimes went against Den, Den, or Denzel uh, Dijarnay and won with the cave-in. After the match, Grimes cut a promo and says he deserves more than what he has right now in NXT and called out Finn Balor from what he said. Didn't expect Balor to enter the ring um, behind Grimes and confront him. Grimes tried to back out of the uh, situation, but Balor attacked him with a double foot stomp and a sling blade. Uh, Balor cut a promo about how he'll find and get revenge on his attacker, and then it was announced that Finn Balor will be going against Cameron Grimes next week. Should be a damn good match. They both have a similarity of liking to stomp on people, Chris. Uh, but yeah, yeah that, that should be a good match. Who the fuck's the attacker? I have no idea. That is a very good question. Um, I will say I'm very surprised that a wrestler named Desjardins doesn't have some kind of French gimmick coming out with a baguette or something. Uh, <laughs> all joking aside, bonjour. Uh, I like <laughs> bonjour, 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 bonjour. I kind of wish that Finn Finn didn't get attacked and he just kept watching videos of other wrestlers and calling them out because I thought that was like the best. Where he's like, this guy looks pretty good. Maybe I'll fight him like total Goku style. <laughs> He's like, oh, you yeah, seem pretty so- strong. Um, oh. who, who, who was the person in the limo? Was that Phantasma? Did we decide on that? That was attacking Luchas? I, I don't know. We don't know yet. So I'm assuming it's whoever was attacking El Hio and a bunch of the other Luchas also attacking Finn. Um, Probably. That would make sense, I guess, yeah. But I, I, I mean, I don't know who that is. Could Walter be here? I'd see that's the thing is like with the whole visa thing, but then all of a sudden Rhea Ripley's back here and she's on this episode and then Finn's back and this is live now. So he's back here. Like, I have no idea where anyone lives at this point anymore, Chris. Uh, and if we can be like, well, Walter could, can't come over here. Well, then why is the rest of, you know, I'm so confused. So but the confused. build up would be Walter versus Riddle. With Imperium being tied into that, right? Well, I guess so. But he's supposed to, he would, well before the uh, the the uh, UK uh, NXT got got stopped for their takeover. It was supposed to be Finn Balor against Walter for the uh, UK belt, but they stopped that because they thought they couldn't travel. I'm so confused. I mean, I mean, if Walter kidnapped you, you would know it was Walter. Yes, you just wake up. <laughs> what are you doing? Yes, pick your job back up off the floor. <laughs> It's uh, it's Pentagon. <laughs> God, Pentagon's scary too, man. Maybe it's maybe it is Pentagon. It's Dark uh, Pentagon. He's left his AEW contract to kidnap Finn Balor. <laughs> Give us the match we all deserve. I'm really just kind of confused on it. It's like, I don't know. It doesn't make maybe, doesn't make. Is it uh, is it maybe um, Dexter Loomis? Possibly, but he's fucking with. He looks like he's actually getting set up, if not for Adam Cole, against the Undisputed Era as a whole. It's it's confusing. I guess Dream, maybe because now he's not going to have anything to do that he lost to Adam Cole. But why would he attack Finn Balor? 
Yeah, I, or it could be just someone new. Hmm. That's enough. That's it. It's possible that there's someone. I mean, we know who signed or on Killer the roster. Cross. Maybe Killer Cross already did it, and that he's going to be going after him. Um, I don't know. It's it's very interesting. Hey, do do you agree with me that, that it's good that we can't figure out what the fuck's going on, and that we have a bunch of stories that are like that in NXT and AEW? Yeah, it's always good when there's a little bit of element of surprise to it. <laughs> it's Jesus. always good. Not not the uh, not good when it's just like, oh, we fucked you guys. Here's the twist uh, that that main roster does. It's that, that there is a surprise. There could be a character looming in the wings that we're not aware of. Hopefully, it's the Cowboy James Storm. Just kidding. That'd be that's awesome. James Storm, but that'd be awesome. Oh, that would actually be cool. All right, NXT Championship match: Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream. So Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong tried to get involved in the match, but Dexter Loomis attacked them, took him out. However, Loomis didn't stop Strong from incapacitating the referee. Dream got a visual pinfall with the Purple Raymaker, but Cole got a definitive pinfall uh, with the ref watching after he hit the last shot. Uh, it was a good match, uh, good back and forward stuff. I thought, you know, Dream has been a bit sloppy lately. I, I think this is one of the better matches he's had um, since he's gotten back. I like Dexter's involvement. I find that really curious of what's going on with that. Like, why is he helping out Velveteen Dream? You know, he comes off like he's a psychopath. Maybe there's like, maybe we don't know. And there's like a level of like, like, uh, like joy and happiness out of this motherfucker. I kind of hope not. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of <sighs> hope so, because a crazy person that only wants to help the baby faces super, like if he goes full super Mickey James and stalking someone. Uh, like that Netflix show where the guy, like, he's like, I'm only doing this because I love you. That could you? be yeah. really interesting. Yeah, that could be really interesting. That's something that hasn't been done in a while. I'm down. I'm down. Uh, how do you feel with this match about Velveteen, Velveteen Dream losing? We kind of already talked about it before of what's going to happen with them. So we'll, we'll, let, we'll let NXT book that because that's the beauty of this. Uh, is that they're kind of we, we can't figure out what where they're gonna go. But um how'd you like this match and Dexter Loomis, once again, is he going after Adam Cole? I this match was a better dream match, like you said. I think this is one of the better ones he's had since he came back. I don't like the name of the move Purple Rainmaker. Just uh if you want to do a Prince thing, call it computer blue. Like I think that would be good. Or have him That's, do was the the nineteen the the nineteen oh six have him do the nineteen ninety nine or something I don't I don't know if you want to do a Prince thing don't like channel it to Okada because as soon as I hear Maker and Rain I'm only thinking of Okada um but yeah I thought the match was pretty good I like the Dexter Lumis setup I'm want him to kind of stalk Velveteen Dream as I mean, how weird do they want to make it? I think the weirder, the better in this scenario. Yeah, I, I would say so too. Just kind of, kind since we have Killer Cross and we have Dexter Loomis, they're very different, but they could be considered a bit similar. Kind of have Cross, like Alistair Black did, go down that line of, of having a little bit of mystique to him, especially with the added element of... of of uh, whatchamacallit, um, Scarlet with him, 
you know, he is still the toll maker. He is carrion. He's the, he's the grim reaper in Greek mythology that brings you your tolls after you give him, you know, the coins and brings you to hell. So have that element with him that differentiates him from Dexter, who's much more silent and precise and maybe has extra elements that we don't know. Um, I think that's that's a perfect way for two of those guys to kind of get to be different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I obviously don't. You don't have to go full fall in love like the uh, Trish. God, I just Mickey James storyline, but you James. could do you could do an infatuation uh, with Velveteen Dream and him just like interfering in Velveteen's matches to help Velveteen. Uh, to the point where Velveteen's like, no, we have to fight. That would be kind of something neat they haven't done with two guys. How about how about uh, elements of um, of uh, the Rock and, and uh, the Rock in uh, Mankind, where he's kind of nuts, but he also wants to be his friend, and it's like, get the fuck away from me, you weirdo! You know, <laughs> exactly. cramping my that style. Works. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cena and our truth. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You could totally do something like that. I think that's, like I said, I mean, you could make it a weird infatuation, like you style. Um, I think that would be interesting. And it it's something different they haven't done. The big thing is, like, you can't just have him be the serial killer guy because you already have Killer Cross. I mean, Killer's right there in the name, which I think yeah. is part of the problem of him not just, like, killing the guy he fought, in my opinion. Um, oh, well. That's why he's carrying cross because the WWE can't use the word killer. Stupid. Yeah. Killer Kowalski. He's fucking killer cross. So yeah, I'm going to call him killer cross from now on. I mean, yeah, that, that's his name. That's, that's been his name for a while. It's his fucking name. I'm calling him. I'm going to call him by his Christian name. Killer cross. The, the name his mom gave him. <laughs> that's how I am with swerve. It's, it's Shane swerve uh, Strickland. It's not whatever the hell they, they say. Now, which is it Isaiah Swerve? Is that what they call him? I just Isaiah, call him Isaiah Scott. Isaiah Swerve Scott. Yeah, we both just always call him Swerve, so I forget whatever his NXT gimmick name is. Oh, man, so we still have to talk about um, SmackDown. There's not a lot to cover, Chris, and then we can give up our uh, predictions and get the hell out of here. Um, I think this first match that happened on SmackDown, they opened up with uh, Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. I thought Sonya was really good in this match. I thought she healed it up. I actually think they should have had this match possibly on the pay-per-view because both ladies went out there. They they beat the hell out of each other. It was a good match to um, you know incorporate and, and, and keep on going since Sonya got the win uh, with the roll-up after a running knee, um, after countering uh, Mandy Rose's running knee, I should say. And um, I, I thought it was a good match. I really think that Sonya Deville, uh, Matt Morgan compared her, and I don't, I don't remember her enough, but he said that her intensity reminds him of Victoria. Um, and uh, I think Sonya's a good – I like her going as a heel, basically. And they're giving legs to the storyline, so uh, we're not we're not stopping with the Dolph, Sonya, Mandy, and uh, Otis train anytime soon. Oh, yeah! Does he mean Victoria, like, from when she was in Impact, I'm assuming? Because he would have been there kind of at the same time. I guess so. I know who Victoria is, but I I, I don't remember that much about her. She was. Yeah. I remember her being pretty good. Um, but that's she good was, again. She was fine. I like not great, but okay. <laughs> Matt Morgan's drunk is what I'm getting at. 
Uh, I like Sonya Deville a lot. I, I still don't know why they're feuding. Because didn't her phone get hacked to send the thing? Like, I'm still baffled. Oh, no, Sonya did it. She's the one who sent that text message out, Chris, remember? And the she hacker sent the... exposed them. Oh, okay. But doesn't that make the hacker a heel, too? Because he basically just, like... Uh... Or a creep. Yeah, when you start hacking people's private messages, you get into that level of, like, a bunch of Xavier Woods videos getting released. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> next, we got Miz and Morrison, uh, the Forgotten Sons, Lucha House Party, and the New Day um, in a wonderful tag team match. Um, and, oh, no, no, that's right. It was Miz, Miz and Morrison, Forgotten Sons, going against Lucha House Party and the New Day. Um, and the bad guys won. Miz pinned Lindsay Dorado after Skull Crusher finale. I don't remember anything that happened, and this was uh, Friday, so that's not good. But uh, this sets up, I guess, the match for tonight. I don't remember, and I don't care. Um, <laughs> Who's I the love... other member of House Party? It's not Sin Cara, because he's it's, fine. Uh, it's um, <laughs> Kalisto, but I think he got injured a while ago. So it's just one guy and lose the House Party? Well, it's Grand Matalik and uh, Lindsay Dorado, and Kalisa used to be a part of it, but then I think he what did he, he fucked up something doing 205 Live. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, maybe Grand Matalik is actually the leader of the luchadors that are attacking people, and we just never saw it coming. And look, I like Lindsay and Grand Matalik. What I'm getting at is they don't even tell us who's in Lucha House Party. They just say Lucha House Party. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, one of them's injured and Sankara got fired. So like who the hell is in Lucha House Party? Is it just any Lucha that shows up to the show? Lucha, Lucha. Yep. You know who should be in Lucha House Party? Fucking Prince Puma. She's <laughs> like <laughs> There you go. Thank you. You're welcome, WWE. You're welcome, WWE. Alright, so we had uh, Renee Young interviewing uh, Jeff Hardy. I almost said Matt Hardy. Whew. Uh, in the ring. Uh, Sheamus interrupted. <laughs> yes. Yes. He interrupted and tried to enter the ring to attack, but Hardy took him out with a twist of fate and a swan time bomb. It's good stuff because I like that Jeff just was not going to let him just even like really get it that far in the ring, basically. He just went after him. And, you know, a couple finishing moves and – you have Sheamus laid out. I knew that something like this is going to happen. They should have a, a pretty good back and forth, I would say, uh, with Sheamus probably end up getting the uh, better of him since we're pretty sure that Jeff is on his way out of here. So, you know, I'm sure that the last match, I'm sure that Sheamus will just beat him in three seconds. Uh, but still, uh, good stuff so far. What would you think? How is there a world where you have a money in the bank match and Jeff Hardy's not involved but is an active wrestler? Um, Chris, do we really need him to do it? Come on. I mean, we don't need him to do it, but if He'll he's do, on your if fucking you let roster. Him do it, if you let him do it, it's like, so how, how, do you guys think I could like try to get like off the, off the seat, the, the, the top of the building through a table? Well, well, Jeff, why would you put someone through a table off the top of it? No, I'm just saying I, I, I could probably do it. Like, I think that's I'm, exactly. I mean, like, look, man. I could just get up there on my dirt bike, do some donuts, hey, then jump just off. Just live life, damn it. Hey, can we put a dirt bike ramp going up the side of Titan Tower? 
That'd be dope. We can get one of those. <laughs> Shit. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, I think the end game is Sheamus is going to be Jeff Hardy. And maybe maybe Jeff Hardy's only willing to work with certain people right now. Because it is kind of weirdly thrown together of him and Sheamus, right? Um, yeah. I, I, you know, the other thing is, like, they could keep Jeff Hardy if they decided to push him the right way. I think Jeff likes the WWE. He definitely likes having that fan base. And maybe there is a little bit of a worry if Jeff Hardy goes to, to AEW. He would probably instantly be the biggest star that they had. He would definitely be one of them. <laughs> That's for sure. It would be him and it would be him and Jericho. I mean, I think he's more over than Moxley. Yep. There's I a natural that. charisma that brings attention to Jeff Hardy that is something that you can't teach or have. It's just Jeff Hardy. It's not just because he jumps off shit. There's just something about that dumbass from Cameron, North Carolina that people love. They love him. How about him or Mysterio? Who do people love more? Baby face wise. <laughs> Fucking, I mean, depending on what time period, probably Jeff Hardy, but right now, probably Mysterio. It's a good answer. It's a damn good answer. All right. So uh, the progression of the Bray Wyatt Braun Strowman championship match for the universal belt uh, keeps on going. I actually, this segment, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm by myself, but I think the way that Braun handled it, I was like, okay, because I thought they were just going to go in one direction because they always have Bray comes out there. He says a bunch of weird shit. Babyface either like attacks him and then, you know, Bray gets the better of him or uh, they're just scared and they look there. And then Braun didn't really have that. He basically was like, I'm not falling for your shit. I don't care about your mask. You know, I'm going to beat you at, at, at Money in the Bank and uh, smile it at him. And basically, I, he, he, I've, what, what the hell is Brace uh, saying? I don't know. He said it right back to him. Fear, sleep. What is it? He has it no. on his gloves. No, it's it's the one that's like, have, come back and see you real soon. You know, that whole thing that he does at the end of the show, he did that back to him. And I thought, uh, I thought, I thought it was actually, uh, it was, it was, it was different. You know, it progressed the story more. I like where they're going. I mean, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen tonight because it would make sense for Braun to win since he just got the fucking title. But Braun kind of is their big show because he was forced into it right now. And Bray, I for some reason, they think that instead of having him as a spectacle star, that he needs to have the fucking title, which I don't understand either. So both of them, lo- either one of them losing is a bad thing for either one of them. So I don't know what's going to happen. We have a bullshit finish. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe Bray fucking you know wins or some shit and then sacrifices braun and braun becomes the fiend and break controls them or some shit i don't know it's fucking sci-fi movies i have a little bit of a question for you with bray losing to goldberg that took away for me that took away kind of the mystique right so he like you said he doesn't need the title but is braun the guy to put the title on on smackdown I don't know. And then also, who had the best custom belt? Daniel Bryan's <laughs> wood made recycled Neither. bin. <laughs> Daniel Bryan's title looked good. <laughs> and also, what is the hard on with having a different title belt right now on SmackDown? I, I don't know. You know what? It's, I never <laughs> thought that I'd see something worse than the spinner belts, but holy fuck. My lord. The organic belt and the fucking fiend belt were terrible. The whole point of having the titles is it's supposed to be like $30,000 worth of gold. 
right? Know, tell, like uh, it's like a, it's a huge price, like ten pounds of gold. It's uh, it's supposed to be a huge deal because it's worth so much value wise, and it proves that you're the champion. So by having like these guys change the title belt every time they win the title belt, it's kind of ridiculous. Is the Michael P.S. Hayes booking this? Didn't he do the rated R spinner belt too? This guy is just obsessed with changing the title. Thinks it gets hill heat or some shit. Uh-huh. Yep. Here we go. Yep, that, that's all. Burp, 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 burp. <laughs> dip, dip, dip. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Tamina, Lacey Evans defeated Sasha Banks and, um, or yeah, wait, defeated Sasha Banks and uh, Bailey um, in a tag match. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Tamina bit pin Bailey following a Samoan drop. Why not put the fucking belt on Tamina? You know, if you're going to keep Nia and keep on giving her the fucking title, and I'm sorry, even though I don't really remember any type of charisma. No, no, I won't say that. She had some promos that were online recently from WWE that they never put on the fucking program and that actually Tamina showed some character, and which was weird. So I was very strange about that for like the last two weeks. But not only that, I mean, she's a dominant monster. Just give her the fucking belt. Let let people go against. I don't know, man. It just I don't care about Bailey and fucking Sasha with the belt. I'd rather Sasha in so much better than any of this bullshit. But I'm not gonna get that. What do you think, Chris? I mean, so. I mean, Tamina's cursed. One because Jimmy Snuka never heard held the title, and two because she's Jimmy Snuka's daughter, and all that shit just recently surfaced again. Ow. Um. Okay. So. It's are you all right? What happened? I tripped on some, some metal, but it's all right. Not heavy metal. Oh, damn. Listen to Nevermore over there. Just getting too metal for your own good. Too metal. All right. Uh, yeah. So the Tamina thing is, uh, is a bit weird just because I think the reason they've stopped her push multiple times is that she is related to Jimmy Snuka to some extent. Um, and there's always going to be that dark shadow of like, Jimmy Snuka looming, even though they only call her Tamina, but she was Tamina Snuka for a long time in their company. Uh, and then the other thing is, like, she hasn't, she doesn't have great matches, but part of it is because they didn't use her. They they won't use her for like years in between. So I think some of that's just ring rust, uh, to be honest. Knowing that she was trained by Snuka and uh, Manny Fernandez and some a few other people that are great wrestlers. It's I don't know. It's weird. What the hell are they even doing with this? The end game is just Sasha versus Bailey. Can we just fucking have it and get it over with? I thought we've gotten over with like sixty times, but seriously, I don't know. I I feel like if you with Tamina, I mean, I think she shows as far as being a a uh, tank or one of the bigger you know monsters to have to fight off of. I think she's a little more agile than uh, her her rock counterpart Nia Jax and. You know, uh, I forgot what his first name is, but Fatu in MLW. I'm pretty sure he's still the champion. He's another guy that I think is going to be big. He's Tonga Kid's, um, Tonga Kid's son, and he's Roman Reigns' uh, nephew or one of his cousins and shit like that. And he's a monster. If the way if they built her, similar to how they built him, he doesn't he doesn't even fucking talk. You know, I just um, I maybe I'm just this much past fucking Bailey. And 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 uh, and this whole entire feud that I would actually say just give it to Tamina. I'm going crazy. I'm fucking going nuts, Chris. I mean, I don't think you're going nuts. It's just like 
if they're going to have a feud, the title doesn't necessarily need to be there. So you could move it and have Naomi versus Tamina on your weekly show or, or someone else. I just don't necessarily know that people are going to buy into Tamina as champion when she's taken so many losses uh, the past like five years. But what do I know? I mean, there's fans out there of uh, was that guy's name? Jinder Mahal. So maybe I'm completely wrong. The modern day Maharaja. All right. So our, our main event was King Corbin. Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro going against Daniel Bryan, Drew Gulak, and Otis. And the heels won. Corbin pinned Gulak after a deep six. Uh, after the match, everyone brawled with Corbin ultimately climbing up the ladder and pulling down the symbolic money in the bank briefcase to pose with it. If we don't, if I hope, not only if, if Baron Corbin fucking wins, I'm going to just bash my head against something. Um, how about he goes over the, uh, the building? How about Elias all of a sudden shows up, and, and since he tried to kill Elias, Elias kills Baron Corbin and throws him over the fucking thing. I just, I don't care. If Baron Corbin wins, Chris, I riot. I'm rioting. I'm done. <laughs> I keep forgetting about the fact that they're doing this shit, like, on top of Titan Towers <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> It's so dumb. It's like, it's just, I, I keep bringing this up every time you bring it up. It's that wrestling video game where you have to like prove that Vince McMahon screwed you and you're just throwing poor construction workers over the top of a building. It's like, who came up with this idea? It's like, let's fight on top of a building. AW fought on a boat. We're going to fight on top of a building. Like, okay. It's a great idea. Um, uh, all, all joking aside, uh, don't care. <laughs> <laughs> this match wasn't very good, and uh, don't. I will give uh, Baron Corbin a little bit of respect for standing up for wrestling fans this week, a little bit uh, on Twitter. But outside of that, like, uh, yeah, don't care. Still don't want Baron Corbin anywhere near the title picture. All right, let's go over the money in the bank that is tonight while well, we're recording on Sunday, so that's why it's tonight for us. But um, we got a fatal four-way match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships that we just talked about. The New Day, Big E and Kofi Kingston going against The Miz and John Morrison against The Forgotten Sons, Steve Cutler and uh, Wesley Blake uh, and Lucha House Party in a four-way match. I don't know if that means, Chris, they're going to be tagging each other in or if this is going to be tornado rules where there's no disqualification, there's really not any of that listed. They'll probably do all of that and never give us the rules. Um, I feel well, like to be what, fair, they to, to be fair, they probably don't know what they're doing either as performers. <laughs> they're just like, you guys are in a four way match, and they're like, wait, against each other, or like tornado, or a tag, or what? There's, and Vince is like, yeah, you're in a four way match. Just do great. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be the tits. All right. Uh, but yeah, it, it within this, I guess my picks is going to be the New Day retaining. I don't know why we would take it off of them. I guess maybe to get another bump on their card. Uh, but if anyone else wins, man, Lucha House Party is the last team. Somehow, I guess they could put it on fucking Cutler and Blake, but it's just so weird that these guys were jobbers in NXT and they came up and now they're doing well. But I also could see Miz and Morrison taking it out. But I'm going to go with New Day retaining. Who do you think is going to win? 
Yeah, New Day retains. I'm on the same page as you. And also, <laughs> Cutler and Blake, like, really? <laughs> this is where we're at in the tag division. Ugh, I know. Wouldn't you rather Jack uh, Jackson Riker with someone and, like, have two badass monsters? I, I don't know. Oh, would you? Do you mean that I would prefer Gunner in any situation other than being part of this Aces and Eights ripoff? Yes. 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 <laughs> Very much so. I think he is the best member of that team, both wrestling and promo wise, and is the most intriguing part of that that they continue to try to push. Um, I don't know, man. They must have some friends. <laughs> Vince must I like this. Hired. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but it's not Jackson Riker's fault. He's pretty good. <laughs> he is good, man. If you put him with someone else that's like a badass like that, oh, it would be a fucking awesome tag team. I saw him and Cole Cabana have an NWA title match when he was Gunner in 2012 at a little shitty bingo hall, or gymnasium, I should say. And it was fucking incredible. The guy's a great wrestler, a good promo, obviously the best part of that group. I don't know why they're still pushing them. The biker thing is over. Sons of Anarchy is not even still on the air. Why are we doing this? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, this one will be, uh, this will make it much more pleasant. Um, the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship match. We got Bailey the champ going against Tamina. We just talked about this. Um, I'm going Bailey, even though if they give it to Tamina, it will be something different. But I guess just keep it on Bailey. Probably with Sasha interfering and Lacey Evans will come out and but she'll still win something like that what do you think uh, I don't care because none of the fans care about this match either <laughs> but there you go put it on Tamina I'm with you like you know what fuck it put it on Tamina have them have their fuck it from the title belt. like have Naomi Naomi versus Tamina and give us a storyline that's we haven't seen for four years that you never pay off I, I I'd be down for that. Be down for anything right now. And Enema, uh, WWE Universal Championship match: Braun Strowman the champ going against Bray Wyatt. I, you know what? I said it earlier as a joke, but what's gonna happen is somehow Bray's gonna do some crazy voodoo shit, and he's gonna beat Braun Strowman, get the title back, uh, put the little fucking whatever mask on him, and the next time we see Braun. Ray is going to be escorting the new fiend down to the ring as his own monster. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. I really don't care. Um, I hope uh, he gets hit with a shrink ray and then has to fight the puppets. And they just do no. the video thing they did with John Cena. It's like this is Braun Strowman versus a hand puppet. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna pick Braun Strowman somehow. <laughs> Who do you got in this match? Ray, uh, this match. <laughs> I don't Obviously. want it, but I just assume that 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 Bray's just gonna. I I think your storyline's right. He's somehow gonna convince Braun to be an enforcer. Something about Braun dressing like a uh, Bray with a cardigan and shit would be really hilarious, though. So maybe we'll at least get some entertainment value out of it on the the playhouse. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, this was supposed to be a joke, but Bray's really good on the mic. You said it. Kevin Sullivan-esque concept, you know, you know that that weird guy, but he's not the greatest in the ring. So Braun's not the greatest in the ring, but he's at least a fucking monster. And I would say, I, you know, it's whatever. But if you have, like, Bray as, like, he's the guy that presents 
the Fiend, and now all of a sudden it's Braun Strowman, and he like gives him the belt to defend, even though it's defend. I don't know. You could fucking do something. I just, I've I've got nothing, man. I got nothing. I'm do do you want my workaround for? You want my workaround for this? Sure, give me a reach around. Okay. All right, Bray Wyatt wrestles as Bray Wyatt and not as the Fiend. He loses mm-hmm. the title. Then the Fiend beats up Braun, and Braun is his champion. And then you still do the cult gimmick, and anytime Braun gets in trouble, you have Bray Wyatt, the the Fiend, I should say, show up, so that they're almost a puppet master to the point where you can even make Bray or not Bray, make Braun a puppet inside of the Funhouse. Where he's like got Ooh. strings attached to If you want to do something fun, there you go, WWE. I love that idea. I really love that idea. The fiend takes over. He can't stop him. Yep. And, Bra- and Braun's your champion. Braun's still your champion. Braun's got the title. He beat Bray, but he does not beat the fiend. And then he just becomes a one of the puppets inside of the funhouse, essentially. To do That's all the dirty work of Bray. So much more creative than what they're going to let Bray do. <laughs> yeah, Bray, Bray's just going to win, and then it's, it's not going to matter. Hey, baby, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> with him, with him five flies. All right, WWE Championship match. We have Drew McIntyre, the champ, beating Seth Rollins, I believe. I don't. Do you have another? <laughs> do you, could Seth win this? That would be so fucking stupid if that happens. No, Seth's going to get his head kicked off. And I think maybe, as we talked about earlier, uh, Kevin has to get involved to maybe save save uh, Drew to some extent because he still hates Seth. I I would really love that if if he comes out, helps him out, ends up fucking over Seth a bit, like I said, and then you know when it's down to him and Drew in the ring, he just gives him a stunner and just Austin it up, man. I would love that. That would be great. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. We'll see if it happens. Uh, but either <laughs> yeah. way, Drew's walking out with the title. All right, so this yeah. last thing is already. Oh, sorry. What were you going to say, Chris? I was going to say Kevin Owens has to be his next challenger because you're not going to go straight to the Money in the Bank winner right away. So it's got to be Kevin Owens. They don't have anyone else for Drew. Uh, that yeah, sucks. And not only that, they might not even have a Raw Money in the Bank winner. So they might even have the, that, that set up. Yep. I mean, the only other option for Drew is uh, AJ. And yeah. I guess. But if and that's only if AJ decides to cash in immediately. I mean, I guess he could tease it for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and then finally cash in. But Hi, that's not right over here. I'm gonna tease you, <laughs> guys. With Georgia. Hey man, you ever been to El Sombrero on Monday Mill Road? I'm from right. Gainesville, Georgia. <laughs> All right, so these have been pre-recorded. They're already done. They're already shot, put in the bag. They're gonna be die hard on crack cocaine mixed with scary movie. <laughs> but the Money in the Bank match, starting at the same time, the men and the women will be released at the bottom floor of Titan Tower to get to the top, to fight, to get to the roof, to climb up a ladder and get the briefcase. And someone's going off that motherfucking roof. I don't know who's going off the roof, but something's going to happen. But we'll get into the list of people involved. The women, you got Carmella, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Asuka. Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans. Uh, Shayna and Lacey both make a lot of sense. I love Asuka, but I'm going to go with Shayna Baszler. Who do you got for the women? Shayna. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's got to be Shayna. 
All right, so for the men's, we have Daniel Bryan, King Corbin, Otis, Aleister Black, AJ Styles, Rey Mysterio. God damn it. Let me just say, if they just had a normal match, that that lineup would be a lot of fun to fucking watch in a normal Money in the Bank match. Uh, but anyways, I, if King Corbin wins, I'm going to be pissed. Uh, I used to say Aleister Black. Now I'm kind of he- headed towards AJ Styles. But somehow Otis kind of is on that radar. I'm going to keep on going with who I said Alistair Black gets the briefcase. AJ starts going right after Drew McIntyre. Maybe attacks him, so he'll just cut in line or some shit because he's got you know um, credibility. Whatever. What do you? Who do you think is going to win for the men? Uh, I think AJ is. I think AJ is going to kind of win since they're starting to build a feud with him and Alistair. Anyways, AJ will find a sneaky way to win. And the only thing I hope for this is when they're fighting up this building. There needs to definitely be a scene where Otis runs through a wall and goes, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I hope so. <laughs> Which would be it's, the absolute best. And now the questions within this whole entire stupid thing. Will anyone be pulling a diehard going in a, a, um, a, a air vent with anyone trying to give him signals of how to get there? <laughs> <laughs> Carl Winslow's fucking carl winslow from family matters is down there just on a walkie talkie that, that that's one of my questions do you think that could happen do we do we have a, a diehard style in 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 you know that whole thing going on will our truth randomly come out somehow somewhere and will McMahon, or mr mcmahon at his office be involved in any way i hope that someone gets slammed into that giant tyrannosaurus rex skull that's in vince mcmahon's office that'd, that'd be, be awesome paid like two million dollars for or whatever that'd be awesome uh there's certain kinds of people that buy tyrannosaurus rex skulls one is vince mcmahon and the other one is uh nicholas cage so that kind of <laughs> shows you <laughs> where those two mindsets are at i have no idea just who's falling off the building is the better question That's is it aj is aj falling off the building he's gonna die twice He's like a cat with nine lives. That would he would have to change after that if he were to be thrown off the fucking <laughs> Yeah. He comes back as the fallen angel. <laughs> Christopher Daniels calls him and is like, hey man, that's my gimmick. He's like, Yeah, but did you ever fall up Titan Towers? I don't think so. Well, whoever wins, it should be something to watch. I don't really know what to say else besides that, but uh <laughs> something you watch i mean yeah daniel bryan's gonna fall off a lot of shit and possibly kill himself so that'll be entertaining yeah um oh man this is gonna be weird anyways they, they really needed kevin owens or Sami Zayn in this match because now i just think that brian's taking all those bumps oh i hope not that really scares me well i i think that's, i think that's a show man i think i think we're done um yeah, we got a lot of stuff for you guys done. We got a lot of reviews. We got our predictions up. Uh, we'll have the show up and out for you guys to listen to uh, soon. And uh, I hope that you enjoyed, you know, your listening experience with me and Chris. Chris, uh, do you have anything to plug or any anything else going on? Nothing to plug this weekend. If you guys want to talk to me, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. Um, and Everyone have a happy Mother's Day. Any mothers out there listening, appreciate you so much. And uh, happy Mother's Day, everyone. And uh, have a a great weekend. Enjoy what this money in the bank is going to be. It's going to be weird, but definitely try to enjoy it. And uh, if it really sucks, drink a lot more. Maybe it'll get better.
That's been my love life forever. Anyways, uh, if you guys want to uh, contact me on Facebook, just look me up. I'm Dane Alves, and it's Dane S. Alves 42. No, no, Dane Alves 42, not Dane S. Alves. That's my ID. Uh, Dane Alves 42 on um, Twitter. So hit me up and let me know what you guys uh, think of the episode and uh, any suggestions, conversations, what have you. Geek Vibes Nation is our website. Go to Geek Vibes Nation for stuff involving with news for comic books, movies, video games, wrestling. We do a lot of different articles for that stuff. We also have links for our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook, at Geek Vibes Nation. Uh, Join Geek Vibes Nation. Join the conversation. And you can find all of our audio on pretty much any platform, whether it be YouTube, uh, you, you can find us on Spotify, you can find us on SoundCloud, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. To our past listeners, thank you so much. To our new listeners, hope you enjoyed. I hope to have you back next week. Uh, we do this show usually, uh, we try to get an episode out, or recorded, I should say, on Thursdays and then on Saturdays. So uh, enjoy uh, the future episodes. And uh, like Chris says, happy Mother's Day to all of our moms out there. You guys kick ass. Um, Love all of you. Have a good weekend. Have a good next week. Be safe out there. And let the Geek Fives be with you. Peace out, guys. Yeah.